Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hoops Philly. We are back on the air this Sunday evening, December 10th, 2017. And it's been a it's been another week, folks. We might as well just get used to it. I am your host, Dave McHugh. It's been another crazy week of Division Three basketball. Maybe on one side. The other may have finally settled down. To be determined, obviously. But I am your host, Dave McHugh, coming from the WBCA NABC studios. Let's do our due diligence here and give them a shout out. Got the NABC shirt on. Got the WBCA cup of coffee, decaf, decaf coffee. And uh, we are prepared for another exciting night of basketball conversation in Division Three. You can interact with us. You can send us questions. You can say hello, whatever the case may be. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook, where we are simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hello, Mr. Alan Babbitt, for joining us on our simulcast. In the past, we have normally had that scrolling on the screen. For those of you who watch us live, uh, we are working towards adding those graphics. There's some new bells and whistles that we got with our new software upgrade. And honestly, we haven't had time to play with all of them, despite how long we've had them. We will get those. We will ex kind of expand a lot of what we do um, with the show uh, coming January. November and December, we're always a little bit more laid back, a little bit more relaxed, not as formatted, etc. So that's where that will all play in. So you'll get to see the graphics eventually. We'll even start putting tweets up, especially as we get closer to the end of the year. We get a lot more interaction on Twitter. We'll put those tweets up on the screen so people can see them. Um, all right. So <laughs> once again, we are left with questions on the men's side and once, and I think on the women's side, we're finally starting to settle in a little bit. I hope Gordon doesn't mind me saying this. I won't give too much of this away, but we had a quick little back and forth about the, um, top 25s and, and Gordon remember votes on the women's. He's the quote unquote 25th voter. I'm on the men's I'm the quote-unquote 25th voter and we were talking a little bit about just how difficult it is to be a, a, a men's voter um and and i don't mean in in the sense of oh cry me a river but just in the sense that we have a lot going on there's a lot of teams it is it is not as easy now last week i mentioned on my blog how i, I brought a lot of teams that just kind of transferred them into the next spot over it was a lot easier to do that um, than it had been in the past. Probably one of the first times I had done that in a long time, and it wasn't the whole top 25. It was maybe a third to a half. Those who read my blog could, could go and determine that for me. And then I moved a few around. There was some that I actually transferred over. There were about six or seven I transferred over, and then I slid down one spot to move Oshkosh up into a, a higher position. Uh, my point being, Gordon made the comment, and I'm trying to be a little general, gentle here because I don't want to completely give anything away he doesn't want given away. But he made the comment that basically he's moving one team around and the rest are pretty much staying where they are. Um, I wish we could do that on the men's side. But at the same time, Gordon made the sarcastic comment to me, would you like to vote on the women's side? Listen, I'd love to vote in both. That sounds a little sadistic. I get that. But I, I find voting in the top 25 that much more helpful for my ability to follow what's going around around the country because i force myself to look at things i may not initially look at if i wasn't voting does that make sense um so i'd love to vote in both 
That said, I would not give up the fun I do have on the men's side to spend, despite the many hours doing their top 25 poll. I will point out, by the way, the top 25 ballot stuff is out to us. I am hoping tonight to do my ballot. I normally wait until tomorrow because I have so much to do, but I'm hoping to do it tonight so that I can avoid doing it tomorrow as we have a lot of stag bowl and football stuff ahead that I need to do tomorrow. It's a little inside baseball maybe for some of you, but I will hopefully have the ballot done tonight and maybe even get the blog done tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on how long it takes me to do the ballot. And we'll go from there. But why am I making this comment? Why am I saying the men's is going to be a lot of work? Because it's full of top 25 losses again. Not as many. We're certainly maybe whittling those down. We also don't have nearly as many games. Teams are into finals now or entering finals, so it ends up being less of a crammed schedule, as it were. But Whitewater lost to Adrian on Friday night, 66-53. They got held to 53 points. Adrian. Now, personally, I don't think this is one of the biggest top 25 upsets ever. Others do. So be it. But they lost to a team that was picked to finish last in the MIAA. And we're held to 53 points. Is that a testament that Whitewater's overrated? Possibly. I, I certainly know I have them ranked pretty high, and I'm nervous about that. I'm actually looking. I've got them eighth. Honestly, I, wouldn't, I didn't want them higher than 15th. But i got to put somebody up there. They're coming down. Hanover, as we mentioned on Thursday night, lost to Transylvania 95-81. But then Transylvania lost to Rose Holman today. I was going to look at Transylvania on my top 25 vote ballot, but they lost to 2-6 and six Rose Holman. So the question then becomes, does that, does that loss on Wednesday for Hanover speak more about Hanover? Does it speak more about Transylvania that they maybe fell into a trap game on Saturday against Rose Holman? Or... This conversation about parody, is this maybe a sign of that? I worry about the parody side. Again, Hanover might be too high, high ranked. I've got them sitting ninth. So you now see that my uh, the two teams I had eight and nine have lost and ugly. And by the way, as I said Thursday, that 95-81 score is not indicative of, of, of that game. The game was a bigger blowout than that. So now I'm moving eight and nine out. But the question then becomes, who do you move in? And that's where it gets hard. Marietta, by the way, has now lost or lost another game, this time to John Carroll, 93-82. And when you start looking back at Marietta, you start to realize maybe they don't have the resume we think. Their losses now are John Carroll. That may not be horrible, but they're, they don't have a lot of significant wins. And they now have a loss to a Worcester squad that doesn't look as good as it did early in the season. And I argue they didn't look good then, but they look worse now. So maybe this Marietta game is a little bit, or Marietta team isn't as great, great as, as you say, as we thought. That's kind of the theme tonight. Or do we have a lot of good teams and no great teams? Do we have any great teams? The other kicker to that Marietta game, though, is the OAC looks like it's going to be a beast this year. An absolute beast. John Carroll, Marietta, Baldwin-Wallace, buckle up. I think the OAC is going to be a fascinating race. And by the way, who knows if Mountain Union gets into the mix in this conference. We have others in the OAC that could be fascinating to watch. Excuse me, bit of a cold. You haven't been able to kick it. Also losing Skidmore. Now, they lost to number two Middlebury, 91-76. I don't think the score is indicative that that game was maybe a little bit closer. I know our Ryan Scott watched it a lot. I was unable to catch a lot of it, but I caught some of it. 
it was a, a tight game at halftime. Middlebury found their ways and extended out into the second half. Uh, I think Middlebury's more prepared for this point in the season than maybe Skidmore was. Skidmore looked, according to Ryan, a little sloppy. Uh, the pressure from Middlebury, I think, disrupted them. But Skidmore is going to improve, and I still think they're a top 25 team. I had them 14th. Depending on what's happening around them, they're either going to stay there or slide a little bit. But I'm not going to put them down too much. Again, my ballot and how I I feel is my ballot says they should have lost to, to Middlebury. According to my ballot, Middlebury is a is a top-tier team. I have them fourth, and Skidmore is a second-tier team. And so in that case, the spread maybe isn't that much of a surprise, though you could also argue that spread maybe is too far for our two top 25 teams. That's where Skidmore might come down a little bit for me. But otherwise, I should keep them around the 15th slot, top 15. Also losing Eastern Connecticut took their first loss to WPI 75-70. I was a little surprised by that. WPI is a good team, but I thought Eastern Connecticut was better. I had them 21st. We'll see where they end up in the end. I watched the Amherst Bafson game. We mentioned that on Thursday's show, um, and I happen to watch it on that show. I, I don't like that. I don't have Amherst ranked, and I don't plan to, to rank Amherst. I'm not blown away by Amherst, and that was the first true test that they had this season. Of course, they went and beat LaSalle. No surprise there. Of course, I talked about the OAC race, and Baldwin Wallace lost to Muskegon. It's 91-78. Um, I was voting for Baldwin Wallace. I had them 18th. <laughs> and then Franklin Marshall, after coming back from nearly 20 points down to Johns Hopkins, came back to beat them and then lost to Albright by 16. By the way, another game that, that jumped out of me was North Central and Illinois Wesleyan. North Central, who I have ranked at uh, 19, was down nearly 20 to Illinois Wesleyan, and then they gave up the, the game-winning layup at the buzzer, practically. Uh, they came back to that, but Illinois Wesleyan ended up beating them. Uh, they ended up losing twice this week, one to Augustana, which you would expect since Augustana is fourth, and they lost by seven, and then lost to Illinois Wesleyan. I think North Central at three and four, going to pop out of the top 25, at least off of my ballot. They're already up. Excuse me, already off the top 25. They'll come off my ballot now below 500. I don't like. We mentioned Bode lost to St. Joseph's earlier in the in the week. They then got back on the on the winning side against Bates and Maine Farmington. They're eight and two. Bowden's an interesting squad. I'd like to keep an eye on this season. We talked about John Carroll losing to Mount Union and then being Marietta. Randolph Macon lost to Juniata. Clearly, Juniata is a team we are going to need to talk to uh, sometime soon on this Hoopsville show. They're off to a tremendous start and hats off to them as well and some other results we will get to i also have the women's top 25 i want to talk about uh we'll get to that i see some questions on the facebook chat room we will get to that momentarily please bear with me um cabrini lost to gwen and mercy i saw gwen and mercy this week uh, i like what i saw in gwen and mercy now they were playing my alma mater so take it for what it is uh, except they shot the living lights out of the building, as I mentioned on Thursday's show. They then went to overtime against Cambrini and beat them. I think the Griffins are a team no one's talking about that's going to be better than they people realize. They can go at different tempos and different and, and different styles. I said that on Thursday on Thursday's show. I think their win over Cabrini 103-92 in overtime kind of shows that 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 race at the top of the CSAC is going to be a good one between Cabrini, Gwen, and Mercy, maybe Newman. I don't know if anybody else can really enter it. Uh, by the way, I've been doing some snooping. We haven't heard anything about this new conference's name. Uh, a couple things that I can't uh, really confirm yet, but I hear a name has been um, chosen. I have not gotten confirmation as to what that name is. I also hear there's a slight twist in membership 
I need to work on that to get some confirmation. But that is coming together. They're supposed to come together next season, 2018-19. CSAC's already moving on without their five members, so it is going to happen. We just don't know a lot of details about the conference, which is really, really strange, especially this this, uh, long-term out. Loris was a team a lot of people were talking about being a really good squad. Lost to Wartburg. I don't think that's a shocking loss, but then they lost to Augsburg. The IIAC race is going to be good. You've got Loris and Wartburg. You've got others getting into the conversation, and Augsburg as well, by the way, is seeming to be in this conversation. We'll see what happens. Colby, we mentioned earlier, lost to Bates. Virginia Wesleyan lost to Averett. We mentioned that. They at least came back and got a win over Roanoke in a really low-scoring affair. That clearly was played at Roanoke's... um, uh, style, 58-55. Wheaton got past Illinois Wesleyan. Here's that crazy thing. You know, Illinois Wesleyan lose to Wheaton. Illinois Wesleyan beats North Central. North Central loses to Augustana. It's this this vicious circle we get into in these conferences. Wheaton lost to Illinois, or lost to Illinois Wesleyan, I should say. I misspoke there. Illinois Wesleyan got the win over Wheaton. But then Wheaton beat Elmhurst in over, double overtime, 98-95. Springfield, who we thought was having a tremendous season, lost to Trinity in a surprise on Thursday, and then lost to Williams. Maybe not a horrible surprise, but significant. And I want to circle back to Williams. Williams is sixth in the country. They beat Westfield State. They beat Fitchburg State. Uh, beat Westfield State 70-63. Fitchburg State 106-56. And then beat Springfield 68-51. But they are now without one of their top players in Scadlock. That, I think, is going to be interesting for the Eves. It either is going to mean... They're going to struggle. I still think they make the NCAA tournament. I think Williams has a good enough resume, unless they tank, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. But how good are they going to be? Scadlock out, one argument on the boards was, well, this might be a benefit temporarily due to you know addition by subtraction, that other guys are going to step up and have an opportunity. Very likely. But I think Scadlock is such an important part for this Eve squad defensively especially, uh, and I really offensively, I'm worried. He's out for the season. Watch Williams. I think that is a big discussion point. Now let's switch to the women, and this is going to be short, real short. One loss in the top 25, and it's to a non-Division three. Puget Sound lost to Evergreen State 73-61. That's it. Now you understand why Gordon's not going to have much time to do his top 25. This is going to be pretty easy. Everybody won. And I don't think any of the results were surprising. It was blowouts. The other night, I remember looking at the scores. It's blowout, 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 blowout. Just just gone. Um, in, insane uh, what the top 25 did. Those receiving votes ended up taking the bulk of it. As a result, Wheaton's now 4-3, and three, losing to both Illinois Wesleyan and Elmhurst. Carthage lost to North Central before beginning the win over Augustana. Eau Claire lost to Loris. Williams lost to Wesleyan in overtime. All, and by the way, Williams 6-3. and three. They're, they're, they're a, We'll talk to Pat Manning at some point this season. They're a weird enigma, it feels like. Albright lost to Widener and Moravian. Connecticut College lost to Roger Williams, which caught my attention. Babson lost to Brandeis. And Oglethorpe lost to Guilford in overtime. So it was the receiving votes category that took a beating. The rest of the top 25 on the women's side, totally fine. So craziness, to say the least. Um, by the way, some weather did affect things. Wesley Christopher Newport uh, was affected. I think they moved it to today, which is an odd day. Um, I'm not positive, uh, but I believe that's what's going on. I'm double-checking something real quick here. 
Um, that's how I believe it was moving along. I think the women, for example, are playing right now, uh, and they are. Christopher Newport's up on Wesley. So that, that was a little bit of a twist. Uh, on the men's side, they already played. I don't see a score. There it is. Uh, Christopher Newport, 183-69. Marcus Carter, I know, had a really good day. So some odd scores going on today. Um, we'll keep an eye out if anything pops out at us. I did get a chance to see Whitman play Colorado College the other night. Thanks to, hey, web streaming's great, but now that these uh, some of these are moving to OTTs, I got to watch on my Amazon Fire. Free plug, Amazon. Do you want to sponsor, you want to advertise with us? Give me a call. Um, awesome to watch the games like that. Eventually in our studio, we're going to be putting a big screen up here. I kid you not with a with a, an ott system in place so we can keep games up going um i was disappointed whitman played very well not surprised colorado college ended up being without their point guard um and it put a lot on jaco hey black to play well uh he had three maybe even four fouls in the first half um and i only watched this first half because it was over by that point I was disappointed because I thought more out of Colorado College. Maybe that point guard being the handler against that type of defense, which is that full court, in-your-face defense, was too much to take. So I was a little disappointed. Maybe my expectations were off. In the meantime, Whitworth then beat Colorado College today in a much more respectable game, 85-73. I think that injury for Colorado College is going to hurt them. Now, maybe he gets back in, in the SCAC race. They're going to be in, a, in the conversation. But otherwise, uh, a little bit of a disappointment. Um and by the way, before we go, before we get off with this segment, I had to bring you uh, one crazy result to, um, the other day. And I do know that um, um, there's some people who have who've joined, asked some questions, and I will try and get to them. I'm hoping these are staying up to date. Um, so I call, if nobody's familiar, I, I'm in my 23rd year as the public address announcer at Goucher College. It's my alma mater. I started my freshman year. Um, I'd love to say freshman year of high school, but let's be honest, people, it was freshman year of college. Uh, and I've loved it. And so the irony is, though, I also work for a few other schools in the area, and one of them is McDaniel College, where I, this year we'll be doing, I think it's all about three quarters of the season for men's and women's doing play-by-play form. Absolutely thrilled. It is rare, though, that I call a game involving my alma mater. It just happens that way. Well, the other night I did, and I got a chance to call McDaniel versus Goucher on Saturday night. But the play I want to tell you about was an incredible dunk. And, and the dunk's great. But it's my color commentator, Lucas, that deserves some of the attention here. Um, because, well, I think maybe you just need to hear it. Uh, bear with me as I just realized I don't have a screen for this. So, uh, actually, you know what? Here we, I know what we'll do. Uh, we will we'll move it to another screen so you can, so you can enjoy this with us. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> it was fun. Let's just say that we'll go full screen, get this dialed back. Uh, we've got audio. Hopefully you can enjoy it, uh, with us. So, uh, here you go. Accelerator. 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 Uh, I hope I got the sound in there. I wasn't listening. Um, but if I didn't, we'll get it back later. But uh, Lucas with a great comment. That's why you got to block out, folks. Yeah, that's why you got to block out. 
Absolutely. Uh, I see uh, Ellen Karen says, hey, Dave, looking forward to your interview with Chicago coach uh, saying notes later tonight. It's coming up next and we hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, also interested in your commentary about the SCAC. Okay, Karen, let me ask you this. Which particular about the SCAC, the men or the women? Uh, Ellen also says, good to see you here, coach. Looking forward to seeing your classmate. Uh, looks like uh, looks like uh, someone's talking to Aaron Roussel, who's watching the show. Hi, Coach Roussel. Good to see you, sir. I know he was listening into the soccer stuff that I did a part of, so I think Aaron's starting to stalk me. Maybe? Maybe not. So speaking of the Chicago coach, the former Chicago coach is apparently ready to tune in about his current program. We will talk to Carissa St. Noach. I know I may not be saying her last name correctly. I apologize. We're calling her. That's where we double-check this stuff. We will talk to her here momentarily about the Maroons' start to the season and just what she's expecting from the season as well, especially the UAA race. But they're in the middle of a really crazy part of their schedule. It's like they're part of the CCIW. They're playing nothing but CCIW teams and doing well. We'll talk to her coming up. Also ahead tonight, we'll talk to the Hope women's basketball coach, Brian Morehouse. We'll talk to Ithaca's women's basketball coach, Dan Raymond. Team maybe nobody's talking about. Ithaca may be back in the national conversation. Uh, then we'll switch to men. Middlebury men's basketball coach, Jeff Brown, will come on the show. Just how good is Middlebury? We'll talk to Coach Brown. They're about to take a three-week break. A lot of time before they play their next game. We'll talk to him about trying to keep the team fresh. And we'll talk to the head coach at TCNJ, who has some NESCAC ties as well. Matthew Goldstone will join us. There's a team nobody's talking about in the Atlantic region, and they may be a major player in the NJAC race this season. It's not just Ramapo, and it's not just New Jersey City. TCNJ is here to play. We'll see what they have ahead of them. Karen, as far as the SCAC men, let me take a look. My opinion is the SCAC last year wasn't all that exciting. And I'm seeing some interesting results already. I thought this was going to be Colorado College's to lose. Maybe a little bit more interesting. But if you can bear with me, Karen, we will get to that eventually. We're going to take a break. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And I see a number of people are joining us uh, on the Facebook simulcast, at least. I know they're on the, tw on, the, on the regular page. I'll get to as many questions as I can tonight. Great to see the interaction, uh, especially this time of the year. All right, so we were talking about women's basketball as we went to break and talking about uh, the start for uh, a number of teams and kind of how things have maybe settled in a little bit of course one of the teams that caught my attention earlier this season i think we missed the chance last year to really have a great conversation about them uh, but i wanted to take advantage of it as, if we could today that was chicago they're off to a five and two start they're two losses illinois wesleyan rose holman they may not be bad losses when you look at things at the bigger picture this team's also in the middle of a heck of a CCIW schedule. They might be confused as to which conference they're in. At the same time, they also have an interesting twist coming up due to the St. Norbert news that we broke on Thursday night. They have lost their game against St. Norbert and had to make some arrangements with the tournament in Wilmington. It adds to an interesting conversation, I thought. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Chicago Maroons women's basketball team. It is Sane. Kanucky is how you say it. Chris is saying Kanucky. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, Anytime. <laughs> well, thank, well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, all right. So let's start with the fact you're 5-2. and two, Your loss is to Illinois Wesleyan. A loss to Rose Holman. When I look at that on paper, I don't think that's all that bad. You've got a Rose Holman team who's just stingy on defense. And an Illinois Wesleyan team that may be better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Okay, that's my take. What's your take? Yep. Uh, I I tend to agree, and um, you know I, I think we're have since I've been at Chicago, um, we've always played a really tough non-conference schedule, and um, I think that really ends up helping us quite a bit once we get into league play um, after the new year, and so. Um, you know, we hope that those don't end up being bad losses, but certainly, you know, we think that they're pretty good teams early on, and they tested us, certainly. Um, you know, I think both of them kind of kicked our butt, and maybe we needed that a little bit. <laughs> so um, so it was good, you know, and I think we've been better for it, uh, for both of those, to be honest. So, um, you know, we're not actually scared to lose. We don't want to lose, but yeah. um, we're certainly not scared of that, um, you know, when we, when we play good teams like that. So. Sure. What what was the, I mean what was what happened in the Illinois Wesleyan game to lose by twenty one? What happened in the Rose Holman game to lose by two? Were they the same reasons and it's the stuff you need to work on, or were they different variables and it and it kind of you know threw some twists on the team? 
Yeah, I think there were definitely different variables. I think, um, you know, we've been, like I said, we've been playing Wesleyan for a long time, and mm-hmm. there are, um, one of the benefits you get out of it is you get to go against their press, which is always incredible. And, um, you know, you know you're know you going to learn a lot from that. And um, we prepared really well for that, and they didn't press us at all. So um, it was a very different game than, you know, we even anticipated it being. And um, playing a really good team like that, that um, – you know, at the start of the season is is going to be a challenge for you, you know. And um, I do think, though, that the team that played Illinois Wesley and the team that played Rose Holman for Chicago anyways, um, were, were two different teams. And to your point, I think the reasons we lost both of those games were probably different. Um, but that's actually good, right? Um, yeah. We learned different things about ourselves. And, um, you know, I do think we got better after the Wesley game. And uh, we kind of had to roll right into Rose Holman. We didn't really have a whole lot of time. We had to turn around and play Colorado College. We had one day of practice. Um, you know, we played four games in that first week of the season. So um, it was just take the good, um, build on that, and, and see what you can do. And so, um, you know, I do think it, they were different, but, you know, they were both beneficial, you know, in that way in terms of learning about who we are. Sure. When you – obviously, you talk about the, t- the tough scheduling that you have. You're in the middle of this the CCIW stretch. You've lost to Illinois Wesleyan. But yep. you've beaten Carthage, Wheaton, and North Park, and you got Elmhurst and North Central ahead, um, yep. somewhat ahead before. You actually got a bit of a schedule here ahead of the Christmas yeah. holiday. You're not taking anything off. Uh, what do you? Obviously, the CCIW is nearby, so that helps. Yeah. But yep. what is the? I know you want a, a tough schedule. Is the CCIW your best bet, and not have uh, to put too much travel into it? Is that kind of the secret sauce and all that? Yeah, I mean, we've had some YAC schools on there, too, in the past. Um, it just you know didn't work out that way this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're great conferences. They're great teams. I think they, they're all coached very well. And so, you know, just like the other the two losses we do have, I just I think you learn a lot about your team when you go play other good teams. So, um, you know, that's they also don't have a massive conference schedule. So um, the WIAC and the CCIW seem to be like us in the sense that they are always looking for other games, whereas there aren't too many other local schools who are. No, that's that's certainly true. Uh, and being in the Chicagoland area, you've got your, your pick of the litter, as it were, and obviously you've already taken on some other Chicago teams uh, in the sense, uh, for example, Lake Forest. You took them on earlier this season and got a yeah. win. Colorado College, the only team that isn't, and they came to you. Yeah. What's the tough part now? You're 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 in the obviously you're at one of the the higher educational schools in the country, and that's a lot of Division three. But you're certainly at one of the ones that are synonymous with high, with the the toughest of the tough. Uh, you're in the middle, or or at least starting uh, finals at this point in time. Yet you still have Elmhurst, North Central, and then you have uh, two games in Ohio before you even take the holiday. How do you keep this team both on its toes and focused while not taking away from what's so important in the classroom? Yeah, um, we actually, yeah, the schedule is a little bit weird and cramped up. One of the reasons we had to play so many, we had to play six games um, right away because actually we just ended our finals period. So okay, okay. school is actually over for us now. Uh, oh, then you have an advantage. So, <laughs> uh, I, that depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we have, you know, basically, you know, whatever, 11 days now to um, – you know, just kind of practice a little bit and hang out and, um, you know, just recover a little bit from, you know, the academic side of things. And that's, this is always a really fun time of year to have them on campus and not have a lot going on, not compete with classes and tests and office hours and all that sort of stuff. So this is a really enjoyable time of year for us. 
And certainly, and and one of the rare occasions where you are done with classes at this point in the in the month, a lot of people are turning into finals at this point. So you can kind of back end the first semester, as it were, with classes. That is certainly a rarity, as it yeah. were. Uh, let's talk about this team. You certainly okay. are. You've got a team that I think some people. I guess my way of saying it is you, they're lurking. It's everybody else is talking about other teams. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we're not yep. talking about the Maroons women's team. You're led by Taylor Lake, 15 points a game, five rebounds a game. Uh, Mia Farrell, 13 points a game, three and a half rebounds a game. Both shoot pretty well, especially from outside the arc for Farrell. But of course, your best shooter from outside the arc is Miranda Burt in, tor- in terms of, of content. She's nearly 10 points a game. But is it more? Is it just those three that that really are your cog, or do you have other parts? And I, I can see other statistical parts, but do you have other parts that we're not talking about that make this team click? Yeah, I think we. I think that's who we are, actually. Um, you know, this is Taylor averaging 15 points a game is probably one of the higher leading scorers we've had in a long time. To be honest, um, you know, by the end of the season, it usually shakes out that there's you know, about four four or five players close to double figures. So we end up being the the team that has four or five kids at 10 points a game, and nobody's really yeah. super extravagant in terms of scoring. Um, and I think that that's the case again this year. I think Taylor and Mia have, um, you know, for the most part, just really capitalized on the opportunities that they've had. Um, but, I, you know, I think our seniors are exceptional. I think Maddie does a great job of running the one and actually getting a lot of these people their their shots. I think um, Beth is really starting to come on now um, and, and really settle in a little bit, and she can she can score certainly in, in stretches um, with the best of them. You know, and um, Ola is, you know, she's our rebounder, of course, but she does a great job of scoring around the rim for us also. So I, I do think that there are, um, you know, quite a few people who have been able to put the ball in the basket. And we that's a big premise for who we are offensively is sharing the basketball. And, um, you know, we think we have a lot of people who can score. We just try and make sure we take the best shots that we can. And we don't care who gets them. Um, you know, we try and just get the best look that we can every time down the floor. Speaking of your team, got a question actually from a fan who's tuning in, which is wonderful. If anybody has questions, you can always tune in or email us, hoopsill at d3hoops.com. We will note every single one of our guests tonight. Old school, they're all live. Um, the question is, congrats on the nice start of the season. Great contributions from your freshmen so far. What's your thoughts on each of the freshmen in the roles going forward? Yeah, um, I do think they've done a nice job. I, I, they're really... Um you know, picking things up very well. And I think one of the things that maybe hasn't, um, uh, I don't know, hasn't been as easy for them, although they've handled it exceptionally, um, when you're playing big games early, you don't have a whole lot of opportunity to learn your mistakes in games, you know. And, um, you know, I think Megan O'Hara has done a great job of kind of adapting to where we want her to be offensively. And, um, you know, that's been fun to watch her and, um, I just think they've all kind of really learned our offense and learned our defense. I think both are very difficult to pick up right away as first years. I think, um, you know, they're really starting to turn it on now. So they've been exceptional, um, you know, and they have just been such a critical piece of us just because they are in number. Um, there's a lot of them in comparison to the size yeah. of the roster. So um, they've been great. And, um, you know, you have to make sure that you keep giving them credit for all the success that we are having as a team because we, you don't get better, um, you know, in the 
in the way that we have to if you don't have kids, all kids, all your 13, uh, willing to compete every day at practice. So they've been they've been really great and really helpful in in terms of also preparing, you know, some of our starters and stuff like that too. Uh, I believe that was Eric, class of '97, who sent that in. Uh, we should point out you have certainly been very uh, involved with this program for a significant amount of time. I think that's what maybe. Not everyone picks up on. I know it. I, I had to be reminded of it. You were the assistant coach under Aaron Roussel before he left for Bucknell. You were then, te- um, what do they call it, interim head coach for a season before finally being, uh, you know, given the job or, or or assigned the job, whatever we want to call it, full time. So you've been there what seven, eight seasons now. You've seen this program through both its real, real highs and some of the growing pain. And I don't want to call them lows. Uh, let's call them plateaus. Um, though you were there for that seven and eighteen season, for example, but yep. you've seen them return to to glory. What are what's been the key in your seven or eight years, or what has changed maybe in those in those years that you've been there that has led us to where we are now? Um, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I think mean I learned <laughs> I learned a lot from Aaron and. Um, you know, I am so grateful for the time that I had with him. Um, you know, and I think I think one of the things was that every year you just you never wanted to settle and you never wanted to be complacent about things. And um, I, I think my assistants would tell you I'm pretty good at um, you know I'm kind of annoying that way. Like, I, you know, well that team could beat us and this team could beat us, and they're like, well, you think everything getting every game's a big game? Well, yeah, aren't they? Um, so we go back and forth like that. But I think that that's one of the things that um, has been really enjoyable about being at Chicago is that you can, you just, you kind of recreate yourself every year and um, recreate your team because you lose even just one player, you know, and um, it, it can change everything in one season. And so, um, you know, that's been something that I think we have been consistent with, but I do think that that's part of the success over the, you know, the 10 years that I have been here. Um is just making sure that you are treating each year as as its own, you know, and not as, you know, one year doesn't carry into the next, whether that previous season was really good or really bad. Um, you got to figure out who you have and what you're good at and what you're bad at and, you know, kind of uh, make sure you minimize the weaknesses and take, take advantage of the strengths. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's what I would say. I don't know. Um, a lot Sorry. has changed, you know, um, but – the, the consistency at which you approach it, I guess, is, um, you know, maybe one of our keys. I don't know. <laughs> it's certainly if, if it seems to be a, a, an interesting component for you guys. Um, again, we should point out you've got games ahead. You have this tournament at Wilmington that's been changed. <laughs> You're yep. supposed to play St. Yep. Norbert. Now you'll end up playing Earlham and Wilmington. Basically, the other two teams there in a try um in a try match, let's call it that, yeah. over three yeah. days, and then I see they rearrange things so you don't have to really screw around with hotels. Is that something that really disrupts things this this many weeks out that you lose St. Norbert and now you have Earlham and Wilmington? And have you thought about whether that's something that's going to hurt your resume per se? And being in the UAA, you already have a, a tremendous resume, or is it just one of those things you roll with? Yeah, I mean, you just have to roll with it, you know, and I think um, Wilmington and um, Jerry Sheevy there, he did an exceptional job of, I think, making, um, you know, making changes and adjustments early into, um, you know, the willingness that they had to play us and yeah. um, come in a day earlier. And, we, you know, our travel is unchanged for that tournament. So, right. um, you know, really 
for that type of situation, it could have been hugely impactful for us. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, so, um, we're just excited to be playing the game and, um, you know, to have 25, you know, a full season, a full regular season schedule. So, um, yeah, yeah you just, you know, you, you flip the page because there's nothing you can worry about it. Control is controllable. Or, um, that one was completely out of our control. And so you just, you know, you do the best with what you have. And sure. I think this is a really good situation based on what happened. Um, and obviously we should point out it's at least you don't lose a game. And, and that's certainly key. Right. On the other side of that, before we let you go, we cannot ignore the UAA. This is going to sound strange maybe to others out there. I feel like the UAA is ripe for the taking this season, and that's not a knock on anybody. It's not like anything has stepped down. Rochester is still good. Watch you through some changes are going to finally figure it out. Not that they're not playing well now. I just mean they're going to figure it out even more, and they're going to start maybe clicking along. Case Western took a half a step back maybe, but it feels like you're taking that step forward. Does this feel like the right season to, to maybe go and grab that UAA title? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we always been in a position where our back has been against the wall um, a little bit going into UAAs, and we've kind of had to win. Um, you know, I'm hoping we can do well these next four games and maybe not be in that position and, yeah. um, you know, go after it with a little bit of a different mentality this year. But, yeah, I mean, I think we always feel that way, you know, like that we can put ourselves in the mix and you just take it one game at a time. I think, like you said, I think Rochester and, and Wash are – um, incredible, and they'll be great as always. Um, but the the travel, the road schedule, um, you know, just the way the games shake out, um, you never know. And so it is. It's kind of up for grabs for anyone. And um, you know, we're excited for that for sure. And hopefully, we can be in the mix there. This is gonna sound like the dumb throwaway question, but I, I feel like I got to ask it. How important is is going to be the advantage at Ratner versus the games on the road? Um. You know, I I don't know. I mean, we've been at home a lot this year, I, um, and that's been great. But, you know, both of our losses are at home, so maybe okay. it's not so great, you know. Yeah, no, I hear um, you. You know, I, I think we have really embraced the travel schedule when we have it, um, you know, and, and the kids have been really, um, you know, they're fun to be around. And so, you know, they get a day off school, and they're, you know, pretty relaxed, and we have a great time traveling together. So, um, you know, I don't know that one is, you know, being in the location is necessarily as important to us as maybe it is to other teams. So, um, you know, you got to, you have an equal amount of both come UAA. So, you, yeah. um, you know, you can't be bad in one or the other. So, and that's, you know, it's not something that we really ever talk about. I'd love to talk more with you, especially this bachelor's degree in chemical engineering at Carnegie Mellon, followed by a master's degree of exercise physiology with a focus on performance enhancement and injury prevention from uh, Cal University, Pennsylvania. Then you certified by the National Academy of Sports Medicine as a performance enhancement specialist. I, have I left anything out? I would Someday you and I are going to have a longer conversation about all of that. Because <laughs> how in the world do you get to coaching from that? That feels like an athletic trainer's resume. <laughs> yeah. Um uh my dad was a coach. Okay. <laughs> that makes so, sense. Yeah, yep, one day we'll break okay. that all down. I can imagine your your practices might be a little bit different than others. Um I, I think they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck uh the rest of the season coach. Really appreciate you. you taking the time. Uh we'll thank let you so go much. on that point, but uh, again, coming up Elmhurst North Central, we wish you luck and thank, uh, you. thank you for the time. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Oh, no, just thank you so much for all you do for all Division Three sports. Uh, we got to catch you on the 
Division oh, Three yeah. Soccer Final Four broadcast because we had two teams down there. So, Sorry about um, that. Thank you for all that you do. <laughs> no, but um, it was great. Well, I think you called me tonight because you're missing the Chicago Maroons in yeah, your life. It, it was that. Been such a good experience. <laughs> yeah, it was that, and I needed some deep dish love from my my childhood <laughs> days. Yeah, that was some of it. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, take care of yourself. Thank you again for coming thank on you. the show. Tell Mike McGrath we said hello, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, Coach. Bye-bye. Take care. Coach, uh, Carissa Sane Kanuki joining us here on the show. Appreciate her taking the time. Listen, the Maroons, I feel like they're ready to break through. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this program. I feel like they're just ready to break through. Going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, switch over into Hope. We're literally going to go on the other side of Lake Michigan. If the weather is clear, you can see the skyline, I think, from Hope, we're kind of on the beach, of Chicago. I didn't mean to do it that way. It just happened to work out. When we come back, we'll talk to Hope women's basketball coach Brian Morehouse. You're watching Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball. Well, it wasn't supposed to restart like that. We're going to have to figure out our commercial breaks, but somehow we will get there. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. I am your host, Dave McHugh. You are on listening to Hoopsle. Don't forget you can interact with us or follow us or find out our guest information and all of that via Twitter at D3Hoopsle and hashtag Hoopsle. That is also our Instagram account at D3Hoopsle, though we can, it's just too impossible to monitor that during a show so please if you're thinking that's how you can get us questions it won't work i apologize you can also email us questions or ideas uh at hoopsville at d3hoops.com as eric did with a, a question for chicago or on facebook facebook.com where we are simulcasting the show there are questions on facebook live there are questions on our youtube page i see them folks i will get to them as soon as we can i want to get to our next guest though uh, you talk about a team that is synonymous with winning. It may simply be the one we're going to talk to next. Certainly, certainly when we talk about some of the best women's basketball programs over the last 20-some-odd years, Hope is in that conversation. And ranked number eight, they're off to a 7-0 and start. Though they had a squeaker of a game against Albion, 
We were talking to Chicago earlier about their schedule in terms of when they're done with finals, and we were alerted to the fact that they're done. I want to share a note I did get from a good friend, Jeff, who shared this one. Uh, Olivet, for example, we're done with finals last Thursday. They think they're the uh, only school in the NMIAA that was done last week, um, but they also start the next semester a little bit sooner. Their spring uh, semester starts on June 4th. That's sooner than everybody, uh, unless you have a J term or whatever you call those mini breaks at your school. So back to hope, though, 7-0, and off to a 3-0 start in the conference. You know that's a good start for them. Coach Morehouse has to be thrilled. Well, any coach is going to find some flaws, but let's see what Coach Morehouse has to say. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for all you do for Division Three. Uh, I know that you guys have had a long and successful run, and uh, happy to be a part of that run with you. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Yes, uh, you have been with us for a long way here. Uh, and, of course, your program has been with us a long way here, too. We're synonymous with expecting you to win 24, 25 games a season. So a 7-0 start maybe isn't the biggest surprise. And I caught myself, and I mean this seriously, I caught myself going, you know, we always wait because we know hope's going to be good. I can always talk to hope later in the season. You know, why use it early when we can talk to them later? Except this time around, I said, you know what? We never find out what it's like at this point in the season on the women's team in Holland. So I figured I'd give you a call. What's it like to be 7-0? and I've, I've never asked that question to you. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's great. It's um, honestly probably a little bit surprising uh, hmm. based, on our, um, based on our schedule, number one. I think we have a really we, – we start off with a really good schedule this year. And I think number two um, – we're, we have to be up there as one of the youngest teams in the nation. I mean, half our team is freshmen. Mm -hmm. uh, we have seven freshmen. Um, there are days when I'm explaining stuff, and 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 I thought that we knew it all, and I realized that we haven't even touched base on it yet. So <laughs> it's been great because I've had a chance to – we as a, as a staff have had a chance to really dig into what we're doing this year and, and do a lot of teaching. And um, with such a young group, and we have great – four captains that are great leaders. Um, I think it's been a combined effort between our coaches and our captains and really helping these young players come along quickly. And that's been the key to our whole season is young kids have really grown up uh, faster than we expected. And that's certainly a, a coup, as it were, for a team to have the youth take that next evolutionary step uh, quicker than expected because you don't have as many growing pains as it were. In comparison to Chicago, who we just talked to, you both played Rose Holman. You both had low-scoring affairs. You're able to come out with the victory there. And I ask this because I'm curious. We'll have Rose Holman on at another time. But from your perspective, what's so tough about playing Rose Holman? Well, they're tremendous defensively. They're, they're long, um, and I think they, uh, they rebound the ball at a super high level. Um, well coached. Like, they get into what they want to get into. But, I mean, if, if I were to key in on – like two big things. I, I just think defensively they're so uh, – they don't make mistakes. And then um, the other piece is um, they rebound the ball at a really high level. And if you make a mistake on your defensive glass, it seems like they turn it into an offensive putback. And um, they just don't give up many offensive rebounds on their end. So it's one and done. When you when you look at how you've started conference-wise as well, off to a 3-0 and start – Olivet, Adrian, and Albion. I know that's good. You haven't necessarily taken on the top of the conference, though one could argue uh, I may have misre I misread that a little bit. Adrian certainly is having a decent season, and Albion is 5-1. and one. And you had a tight, tight one against Albion. Is there any point that it's hard to, to motivate the squad against some of the opponents you face? 
Well, there have been years where it's been, you know, people from outside have looked in. And they said, you know, it's Hope and Calvin. Yeah. Um, that's it. I'm telling you, our league is, is so much better um, the last two years than it has been at any point in my in my 20 years. Um, Trina is, is a tremendously talented and yes. well-coached team. Um, Calvin uh, was missing uh, one of their best two players for the first three games of the year. Um, which led them to get off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but, I mean, they're playing really well. They almost knocked off trying yesterday at trying. Um, you know, we're leading in the fourth quarter. And then um, Albion is good. I'm, I'm, people are sleeping on Albion. They are really, really good. They're long. They're talented. Um, so we felt great about walking in there yesterday uh, and, you know, walking out with a win, which was goal number one. It wasn't stats. It wasn't playing time. It wasn't. We just wanted to walk out of there with one more point than they did, and luckily we uh, we played well in the fourth quarter and came away with it. Well, again, you, you said what I was hoping to hear. You know, Trine's nine and zero. You guys are seven and zero. Albion's five and one. Yes, Calvin's off to a bit of a four and four start, a rough one, but you never know what's going to happen there. And of course, when Hope and Calvin come together, we just throw out the record books anyway. Um, so you certainly have got an interesting conference this year. It isn't just the Hope Calvin race. Um, <laughs> Is that going to maybe bode well NCAA tournament time? Maybe can we see a few MIAs make some runs, do you think? Obviously, it depends on the bracket, I realize. Yeah, a lot of it depends on your bracket, who you get matched up with. Um, you know, last year I thought we deservingly got three teams in. Um, and uh, I think that we have, you know, if keep, people keep playing well, I think we have a, a shot this year. I, I really think our team, our league is that good. Mm. Um, can somebody make a run? Um, absolutely. Which one of those teams? I think it all comes down to you know, how teams continue to mature and improve. And um, I think our upside is as good as anybody's given our youth um, and how our youngsters are getting better and, and also how our veterans are improving. Um, you know, I'm really, really pleased with uh, the jumps that some of our returners made uh, since last season. And so it's not just our freshmen getting better. It's the jumps that our returners have made as well. And um, it's really fun to watch young people get better. I think mm-hmm. young people get such a bad rap. Um, sure. You know, this generation gets such a bad rap. I mean, we have the we have such a hardworking group of kids. I mean, they're present um, when we're at practice. They they get great grades. I mean, it's it's uh, this is a blessing of a team to coach. It's uh, I enjoy it every day we walk into the gym. Interesting thing jumped out at me. You're scoring 80 points a game. Opponents 53.6, so you're beating them by 27 points, roughly, 26 and a half. But you only have two players in double figures. It's, it's Buchanan at 13 and a half, uh, Schoenfeld at, at 12 and a half, and then it's Gears and Newman at, at eight and six and a half, respectively. You're putting up a lot of points without a lot of double figure scores. Usually, you see 80 points, you see three figures maybe maybe four who have double digits you're really kind of deep in some ways we're playing a lot of people i mean um we're mixing and matching uh we we're going deep into our bench and when i say deep i don't mean eight i mean i don't mean 10 i mean 13 13. and uh and uh and with you know we have different kids that have different skill sets and it's um it's really fun to mix and match depending on who we're playing um, who's practicing well the couple days before, um, who fits a certain situation. I mean, we put a couple kids in for a couple possessions, you know, deep into the game yesterday was the first time in the, in the game, but we knew that they could do certain things. And for a coach, 
um, that's fun because you're just not you're, you're not just rolling out the same thing every single time. You're thinking about it. You're evaluating during the game. You're getting input from your players. You're getting input from uh, your coaches, and that's helping to drive um, some of the decisions that you make. Now, in the end, whose decision is it? In final, you know, finality, it's mine. You know, and that's who we throw out there. But yeah. you know, we're able to get a lot of good input, and we get a lot of good um, play from a lot of different people. And we've had different kids step up in, in different games. I mean, we go on the road and play a really good team, uh, Concordia of Wisconsin, and uh, you know, we have two freshmen that lead us to that victory and play tremendously. Um, you know, and then we've had uh, other games where. Our veterans have really stepped up. Yesterday, Madison Gears uh, Sr. hits two free throws, you know, with seven seconds to go to, to put us up three. I mean, those are about as high a pressure free throws as you can have. And, yeah. um, you know, she looked like she was shooting at the gym of her high school. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's fun. I mean, we can beat people in a lot of different ways right now. And, uh, you know, as long as we keep getting better uh, each day at practice, I, I think that this is going to be a nice team. Um, interesting uh, twist with your schedule. I find it fascinating because on four separate occasions, you essentially will play back-to-back. Now, there's there's one caveat on one of those, but you started the season playing back-to-back back games against Heidelberg and Rose Holman. Yeah. Coming up, you'll play back-to-back in a tournament at home, Finlandia, yeah. and then to, obviously a team to be determined. Then, jeez, uh, not even that many days later. Three days later, you're down in Orlando well, you'll play, unfortunately, Baldwin-Wallace twice in three days, and I realized it was because the team backed out there. And yes. then at the end of this of the December month, you, you'll be at Bluffton. Well, you'll play Mount Union and then Bluffton on back-to-back days. It, was that just a, a circumstance that allowed that to happen? Or are you trying to really prepare your team for March? You'd think if you'd been coaching for 22 years, you would have figured that out by now. But, no, I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> okay. So we, I gave uh, you a lifeline, Coach. <laughs> did, and, and I, I should have lied and took it, Dave, but I'm well, being uh... honest. Um, you know, we had five teams drop us off. Uh, we had contractually signed contracts with five teams this year that dropped us oh. at different points. And, uh, you know, I think it's an epidemic in Division Three right now. Um, you I know, agree. People don't honor their contracts that um, they yeah. originally agreed to. But, I mean, there's not much you can do about it, and I yeah. would never call out those teams publicly. Sure. But I do think it's a problem. And at some point, um, Division Three needs to recapture their integrity that it was uh, supposedly based on, and, and that's in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a strong advocate for, you know, if, if, whether you shake somebody's hand or, um, give them an email or a, even a verbal, hey, we're in for that. I mean, you honor that. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of times I didn't want to go down and play Dixie Jeffers or Sherry Hare in <laughs> Ohio or, uh, you know, head into, head into Chicago and play some people that we sure. played in there. Sure. I was a young coach, but, you know, if I said I was playing somebody, I was playing them. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it'll get better. Um, I don't know why it's happening, but I think it's something that we need to address at the Division Three level because it really messes up team schedules and puts, you know, it, it's not so much the coach and it's not even the institution. It puts the young people, um, you know, in a in in not the best situation. And Division Three should be all about the Division Three student experience. And um, when adults get involved and they renege on um, their word, I think that that hurts uh, hurts the players. And so basically you kind of got into a situation where you lost a bunch of games you thought you had, and you just had to yeah. fill in where you could fill in. We were scrambling, and I mean, luckily 
Um, you know, Bluffton had an opening at the last second, and they took us. Um, you know, Concordia, Wisconsin took us on a game, and uh, so we're we're really fortunate. You know, for the people that did agree to take us um, and play us at the last second, that um, they did that. Fascinating. I agree with you, by the way. Uh, I think it goes a little further back than that, but I, I've known of situations. But you're right. I hear it more often nowadays, but we certainly won't dive into it now. Um, obviously, great start. 7-0, third season in a row uh, that you guys are in this boat uh, and, and certainly not, not something to shake a stick at. Uh, you are busy with finals to some degree. You do have a very busy December still ahead. So it's kind of a two-pronged question. How do you keep them focused while also making sure you maybe don't burn them out too much here with six games still to play in a very busy time of year. Right. Well, first of all, young legs have an amazing way of bouncing back. Uh, agreed. <laughs> old kid. Well, they always call themselves old when they get to be a senior, and I'm like, who? When you hit 50 like me, you're really going to feel old. I'm feeling um, it now. <laughs> young kids bounce back, and, you know, they come in, and, and, and I think that our captains have been the key. Um, you know, they've been instrumental uh, in really – helping our young kids navigate the pressures and the stresses of the academic year of the athletic part of it. And they, they're just so invested behind the scenes in these kids that, um, that, that it takes a lot of the pressure off of me. And, um, and, and I'm probably too old school. I mean, when we practice, we go hard. And so I, I need to really take a good look at our exam week schedule this week. And, and, you know, we look at, our schedule, you know, is going to be dictated a little bit by days of practice available when you go to Florida and, and then you have a quick turnaround and you go to Bluffton and then, oh, by the way, you get home from Bluffton at midnight and you got to be ready to play trying yeah. on that next Wednesday. So, um, but you know what? It's fun and these are these are people that I want to be with and, and they like being around each other and I think they give each other energy. And anytime that you have that kind of a dynamic, um, it really helps with, the whole idea of legs and mental burnout, because if you like the people that you're around, you come in and you're enthusiastic about being where you're at. And that makes it fun. Well, we'll leave it on that note. I appreciate you taking time to join us uh, and talk about your squad again at a time. We don't normally talk to you. Uh, I had to change that. Uh, Unfortunately, we won't be able to talk to you probably till later in the year. Uh, But we, we appreciate you taking the time. The MIA race, as you said, it's going to be fascinating. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those on this uh, Sunday evening? I just want to tell you to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, this is what? This is 20 years? Is that right? 20 years of D3 hoops. This is the 15th 20 years season of, D3 of hoops. hoops. So. And, um, and we've been together on a number of occasions. And um, as I tell my friends, I'm, you know, they're like, who's good in the D3? Who's good in D3? I said, listen, you only need to go one place. Hmm. Just go look at the D3 hoop stuff. You'll know who's good out there. You'll know who's for real. These guys actually know what they're talking about versus some of the other polls. I said, you'll get an idea of who you're supposed to be following. So keep up the great work. Um, love what you do for Division Three basketball, and in particular the women. Um, we've been so blessed by uh, how much you care about our sport and uh, really want to just say a sincere appreciation from uh, all the women's basketball coaches. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. Uh, we love our relationship with the WBCA as well. So um, thank you. Take care of yourself. Have a happy holidays, and I look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Brian Morehouse joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, Finlandia coming up here on the 15th, which is uh, that's midweek, right? That's Friday, actually. <laughs> I can't do my math. 
Uh, then another game on Saturday. Then they're down in Orlando. They'll play Baldwin-Wallace twice. Again, a team backed out. I don't know who that team was. So they will have to play Baldwin-Wallace twice down there. Say la vie. Uh, then they're at Bluffton where they'll play Mount Union and Bluffton. A good schedule for, for uh, um, Hope. And by the way, he, I'm glad he said what he said about a couple of things, but especially the, the uh, MIA race. It's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. We're going to get Trine on at some point. I know we'll get Calvin on probably. There's a lot to talk about the MIA women's race, which is good because the men's race may not be all that exciting. To be blunt, it may not be that exciting. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we will talk one more women's school, Ithaca women's basketball. I, I don't know what happened. They kind of maybe came off the radar for a little bit. They're back on that radar. And now, according to Coach Raymond, this is a special team. Why? We'll find out from him. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, we were talking a little bit about, um, not a little bit, we talked extensively about how good women's basketball is at this point. 
Um, certainly been impressive to say the least. Um, and, and really consistent, I think, is the other thing. Is This week we finally saw maybe teams get a little bit more on the consistent side of things. I don't know if that's indicative for the rest of the season or not, but when you look at the top 25, this may be the worst week for the one team I thought might crack into it to get into it. It's Ithaca. They're having a tremendous start to the season. They're just on the outside looking in. It's 7-1 start, including a win over FDU Florham to start, a win over Montclair State the very next day. They do have a loss to Claremont Mud Scripps, which which is interesting to say the least, but then they rebounded from that and have beaten Cortland, Vassar, Bard, and Stevens. Big game coming up this week against Rochester. So why not? Perfect opportunity to talk to their head coach. We have not had Ithaca on in a little while, and I'm glad to have Dan Raymond join us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Dave. I enjoy being here. I appreciate you taking the time and uh you know, again, seven and one start, two and zero here in the conference. You're one blemish coming on a six point loss to to CMS. You got to be pretty thrilled with this team. And I know they were twenty five and four last year, but it felt like maybe not everybody really took the Bombers as seriously as maybe they should. Well, I, that's understandable with with the loss that we had to graduation with you know our top two scorers mm-hmm. uh, departing to graduation. So I, you know, it's not surprising to me that. You know that people, you know, may not have thought we were going to be as good as we are so far. Well, you're off to a good start. Let's just get the uh, elephant out of the way. What happened at Cla- with the Claremont Mud Scripps game? Well, I mean, you know, it was our second game out there in California. Yeah. Um, the kids enjoyed themselves all day out there, and it was a great experience for our kids to to be out there. You know, most of them had never been to the West Coast. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, I mean, we we played. Well enough to win. We just didn't make the plays that we needed to toward the end of the game. That's all, you know. So I, disappointed, you know, with a loss, but not with how we played. Sure, yeah, I can understand that. And again, yeah, you're right. It's out there in California. You also beat Pomona Pitzer by ten the night before. Um, and it's cool that you guys got a, them an opportunity, especially in November, to go out there. Normally, that's a holiday trip. Well, I guess it was technically, but you know what I mean. Um, but what? Why that? Per that, why that trip at that time of the year? We had never done a Thanksgiving tournament, hmm. um, and it was just something that, it, that it, when I looked at the, the schedule, um, thought this would be a nice place to fit this in. You know, and, and I I talked with our players last year. Um, you know, when we decided to do this, um, and they were they were said they were all for it uh, to, to try to do it. And then the other factor that, that played big in it is, is I know the, the coach at, at CMS pretty well. I know Christian yeah, quite well. Yeah. So um, I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to go out there and play. When you when you look at that and you bounce back and you immediately beat Cortland the next night, or not next night, I apologize, next game. If it was the next night, that would have been something. Um, hang, <laughs> uh, red eye and everything. Um when you bounce back like that and win the next four, you've got to be thrilled with how the team responded and recovered to some degree. Absolutely. Um, and, and, yeah, there was a, a major concern uh, for me um, taking the red eye back, you know, and getting back at, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning on, on Sunday, um, only having really one day to prepare uh, for Cortland. And, you know, that is still a rivalry, even though they aren't in our league or anything like that. It's, it's Cortland Ithaca, so there's always going to be that little bit of added tension with that one. So our response was really outstanding, I felt. Um, the kids really kind of prepared themselves very well for that. When you talk to this squad, you're, uh, we'll get to the Liberty League in just a little bit, 
But what's the message at this point? You've got a big game against Rochester. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about it. But you also have game. That's the last one before the end of the season. End of the season. End of the of of the semester. And you guys take a little bit of a break. What's the true goal from a game like this? And I know winning's certainly important, and and not getting banged up coming out of it is important. But what are you hoping to get out of this after a week off, and looking, you know, to at least finish on a high? Well, I mean, there's always things that we're looking to improve upon, you know, and we saw some things in the game yesterday at, at Stevens that we were not real happy with. So we, we talked about a few of those things today, went over a couple of things that we felt we needed to adjust, um, especially on the defensive end. Um, and then tomorrow we'll, you know, we'll spend a little bit of time, you know, cleaning up our offensive um, systems that, that, you know, again, we, we were a little sloppy uh, down at Stevens. So, um, just going in and trying to make sure that we were, we're efficient um, on both ends of the floor and, and executing the way that we want to execute. You have an interesting twist coming up. I was counting the next game, 10 of the next 17 are at home, though you have a crazy stretch uh, end of January and into mid-February where you will play five straight on the road. I know it's just the quirk of the schedule sometimes, but are those things that you, you, you try and focus on and prepare your team or are those things you just kind of ride through? Um, I, I've always felt like there's a something a little saying that I've always told our, our players in, in this, you know, as soon as I started coaching at Ithaca, it, it doesn't really matter who we play. It doesn't matter where we play. It just matters how we play. So we really don't focus on where we play. And uh, it's, just, it's just another opponent. And it's just the court's the same size no matter where you go. So it doesn't really matter. Let's talk about this team. Uh, you called them to me special. And, and I don't when a coach says that to me, I, I take it not seriously. That's a cheesy way of saying it, but I certainly take note because you've been around coaching a long time. You've had some incredibly, I would call them special Ithaca squads. What makes this squad special? It's it's really interesting because you know the thing that stands out is obviously the numbers that that Cassidy O'Malley has put up, especially this last yeah. game, scoring thirty. But. Other than that, we, we really just don't have, you know, one player that, that, that people have to, you know, stop or anything like that. It's just a, it's really a combined effort. Um, and this team in practice, they compete so hard, but as soon as the practice is over, they're the best friends. And it's, it's something that, you know, those of us who have, you know, coached, you know, female athletes, you know, sometimes that can be an issue, you know, when you, when yeah. you get after each other in practice and, you know, sometimes they, they can become personal, and, and this group does not do that at all. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, we've been able to be as successful as we have, you know, as far as wins and losses, with probably our best um, offensive player going into the season not being able to play in Jordan Beers, um, you know, it, it's, it says something for the character of this team. People have taken the chance, chances that they've been given as far as opportunities um, and, and just kind of ridden with them. So it's, it's a really neat group to be around. Uh, they're a fun group, and they work really, really hard. We talked to Brian Morehouse, who talked about the fact they're putting up 80 points, and he's only got two players in double figures. You're the opposite. you got 76 points a game, and you got four players in double figures. O'Malley at 17. Uh, I apologize, Julie. Um, Giacovone. Giacovone, thank you. Actually, I should say three players in double figures because Giacovone's Posted. Actually, that's easy once you don't look at it. Uh, and then Pickle uh, at 15 points a game. And, and Giacomoni's actually vis listed here twice. So she's averaging actually probably about 14 points a game. 
um, and then um, and others. You've got to be pretty thrilled with that trio, as it were. But the supporting cast, Beers and and others, certainly are are stepping up as well. What's the what's the offensive makeup of this unit, if that makes any sense? The way that we run our offenses, you know, are just everybody has opportunities to score, and then that's that's with our primarily with our half court, but. We create so many um, scoring opportunities through our defense, um, and I think that's where you know the the even spread of of the scoring comes comes into play. Um, everybody's going to get an opportunity because, like I said, we create so many scoring opportunities through our defense. When you so what's I guess the question would be what's you you say defense leads to the offense, which I, I get, but when push comes to shove. Are you going to be the guys who shut down the teams and, and you'll be more than happy to outscore them by a point? Or are you going to try and emphasize the offense and maybe put the pedal down, if that makes any sense? We play one way the entire game, and it really does start with our defensive pressure. Okay. Um, so that's are, – are we going to be able to shut teams down? Probably not. Um, this all started last year, the, the way that we played defense. And it was yeah. um, something that, you know, my, my assistant and I talked about that we didn't feel like we were going to be a really good matchup man to man type defensive team. Mm. So, you know, we thought, okay, let's, we're going to, we're going to be a pretty good offensive team. Let's create more scoring opportunities for ourselves by picking up the pressure. And, and lo and behold, the, 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 the players have really bought into just playing that style and they, they enjoy mm. it. So, you know, we, we, create lots of opportunities for both teams ourselves and the <laughs> opponents <laughs> i love how you put that okay i get what you're saying um yeah well as long as you outscore them i guess it doesn't matter how many opportunities you give the opponents um they've got to hit their shots as well um you got a relatively new gym uh you guys have settled into that but you're still somewhat settling into the liberty league i would assume uh, you're in your second season after last year uh, getting your first crack at it and going 14-2. and two. I'm sure they're glad you're there. Um, what, what's your take on the Liberty? What's the biggest differences between that and the, and, and the Empire 8? Actually, Dave, this is this is our first year in the Liberty League. We oh, I apologize. I misread it. You're year. right. I apologize. Yeah. I completely misread yeah. my note. You're right. So it is your first year in the Liberty League, so let me change the question. How you like it? <laughs> well, <laughs> Two games we, in. What we, <laughs> what we did last year um, is we scheduled four I think four out of conference games against Liberty League yeah. opponents. Yeah. So we got it, got a little taste of it um, last year, and then you know we, we actually ended up playing RIT um, in the first round of the NCAA tournament last yes. year. So we played five Liberty League schools last year. So we kind of had an understanding. I have a little bit of a an advantage in that my assistant coach was you know a, a graduate assistant for two years at St. Lawrence, so she knows you know the teams much better than I do. Um, so that, that's been very helpful too. Um, we know that the Liberty league is going to be a challenge. We're going to have to show up and play every single night. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the travel is going to be a little bit more extensive. So that's going to put a little more strain on, on our, on our students as well. Yeah. And I'm, I apologize. I, I just completely misread my note. It is your first year in the Liberty. Hey, sometimes my brain refuses to cooperate with you and myself. Um, Not a problem. And, and obviously a lot of these changes, and that's kind of where I was leading this to is though, is we've seen a lot of changes in upstate New York, central New York uh, with conferences and shuffling around. It's all predicated by football. And I've had a couple coaches in basketball just say, Hey, it's out of our hands. We're just kind of going along for the ride. What's your take? Is, is this gotten a little on the frustrating side, not knowing what you're, 
the bulk of your conference or your bulk of your schedule is on any given year? And do you think things have finally settled down that you can now move forward knowing what you've got ahead? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Ithaca is thrilled to be in the Liberty League. Um, and, and it was a decision that was actually, I, I think, predicated on the upper administration's mm-hmm. uh, decision to move into that into that league. Yeah. Um, you know, the schools in Liberty League are, are so high quality academic wise, and, and we just wanted to be associated with them from from that perspective. Sure, it's a great thing for us, and I, I can only speak to us as as the, the women's basketball program. Uh, we love having an even schedule now. You know, we we gotcha. there's ten teams. We make ten teams, so we play Friday and Saturday. Um, which is perfect. Um, we only have our we play our travel partner on you know weeknights, Tuesday nights. We have two weeknight games once we get into the second semester. So we're we're really thrilled to be in the, in the league. Cortland and Vassar have different opinions on that. By the way, just for the record, um, <laughs> I just just a gut feeling. Uh, um, uh, well, I wish you luck, Coach. Uh, obviously, big game coming up here with Rochester, as we mentioned. Here in a couple of days, uh, I know you guys are looking forward to that. Uh, quickly before we let you go, what do you what do you need to do against Rochester? Come out with a W there. Um, you know the you know thing is we we obviously will will do our, our due diligence and, and, and scouting Rochester, but we really really focus on what we have to do, how we have to play, sure. and it really doesn't matter who we're playing against. You know the big thing with Rochester, everybody understands is Alex Leslie. You know she's such a dynamic player. She's not only can she score, but she's such a great passer. Um, so we've got to do our best to contain her. We're not going to stop her. We all know that. Um, but then make sure that we don't let anybody else kind of get off. Well, good luck, um, especially in your Empire 8 schedule. I'm kidding. I just thought I'd, if I was going to go down that road, I'll just stay on that road. Um, good luck against Rochester. Have a great holidays, and good luck uh, in the new conference as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts on this Sunday evening? Well, the one thing that I do want to say, Dave, I really appreciate this opportunity um, to emphasize how, how much our students do um, not just as you know on the basketball court in the classroom, but we just got back. When we went to Stevens. We did a community service program in, in a public school in the Bronx, you oh, know, cool. an elementary school. That's the third year we've done it. Um, it's a great opportunity for our students to see, you know, um, a different side of things. You know, most of our students are from, you know, either rural areas or the suburbs. Sure. So seeing what it's like in the city um, and interacting with those students has been a really great experience for our students. Well, that's awesome. And a true YD3 point of view. Um, I love that, Coach. Uh, congratulations on that, to be honest. I, I mean that heartfeltly. Um, that's not a word, but we'll make it one. Uh, it's one of those nights, clearly. Uh, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Uh, have a great You're holidays, welcome. and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Dan Raymond joining us from Ithaca. <laughs> yeah. I totally, I, I, yeah, they are heading to the Liberty Liberty League this year. They weren't there last year. Anyway, good luck to them as they move on. When we come back, we'll switch gears and head to some men's basketball. If you're following the calendar, we've gone from Chicago into Michigan on the upstate New York. We will continue across Lake Champlain and into uh, Vermont. Talk Middlebury Panthers. And then after that, we will head south down the parkways and head into New Jersey. But first, Middlebury up, number two team in the country. Okay, how good are the Panthers? Hopefully Jeff Brown can give us an idea. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Cheer for the stumbles. 
that he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles, that he should have had that, and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dan McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA NABC studio. Of course, presented by D3Hoops.com. Got questions for us or thoughts? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I know we've had some questions in the simulcast. We've even had some questions uh, in the YouTube page. And we will try to get to some of those, which a lot of them pertain to our next guest. Uh, interesting note, and this is maybe the geek side of me. If you ever look at the top of a of a Hoopsville show page, you will see um, basically the list of the schools that we have as guests. And I think for the first time, and completely unintentionally, we put them in alphabetical order. Chicago, Hope, Ithaca, Middlebury, TCNJ. It doesn't usually happen that way, but I, th I got a kick out of that. Switching gears into men's basketball at this point and to the next alphabetized school, it is Middlebury. They're off to a 6-0 start. They are number two in the top 25 last week. Probably will stay there. I have them at number four. Um, they got past Skidmore on, was it Friday night or Saturday? Friday night, right? Yeah, Friday night by a score of 91-76 after dismantling Plattsburgh before that beating an Endicott team that had certainly gotten hot against uh, Babson. Uh, and now they'll sit on a three-week break before they'll head down to Lexington, Virginia, 
and go to Washington and Lee where they'll play a very interesting York, Pennsylvania squad. A lot to digest. I really wanted to get the opinion of the head coach ahead of this three-week break. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Panthers. It is Jeff Brown, and he joins us now. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. No problem, Dave. Happy to be with you. I appreciate it. Um, again, you got to be thrilled with a 6-0 and start. Uh, the last last season, a 27-4 and run got you kind of back in the national conversation, as was, which is crazy considering you'd won 17 or 18 games the previous three, four years. But you certainly made a splash, as it were, and I think expectations were pretty high. Thus, your ranking, you've got to be happy with at least the 6-0 and start with a target on your back. Yeah, we're, we're certainly very happy uh, with the start of our season. Uh, our team, uh, which is a, a pretty young team with uh, 10 freshmen and sophomores uh, of our 15 players uh, has really come together pretty quickly for us. You did. Yeah. You, you have a bit of a youth squad as it were. And I've got a couple questions from viewers per that we will get to. You had a good core there already. I was, you lost your nephew as part of graduations and others. What is it that people see in this squad though, coming into the year that they thought so highly of it from let me put it another way. Is that a valid thought to have about your squad, or are we overreaching and you guys are still growing? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think for sure we're still growing, you know, as a unit with our youth. Uh, and, again, you know, we have some very important pieces back. But uh, between Matt Sainamore and Jake Brown, you know, we graduated 2,500 career points yeah. and, and about 600 assists. Uh, so, you know, we are a little bit different, but uh, again, you know, our front court has remained intact yeah. and they're playing quite well. And uh, Jack Daly is really a spectacular player that, um, you know, was somewhat over- overlooked with the other two last year in the backcourt. Yeah, pretty good uh, transition there because I was just going to mention Jack Daly leading the way as a senior, 35 minutes a game, 17 and a half points a game, 10 rebounds a game. So averaging a double-double, and he is slightly under averaging a triple-double because he's 9.2 assists per game on top of that. Just him alone, statistically, you look at and go, you've got something special. Yeah, he's really a unique player. Uh, he is so passionate about basketball, so tough physically and mentally, uh, clearly the leader of our group, and uh, he does a great job finding other people and just really seeing the game and the intensity level that he plays with is incredible. Uh, he's a 6'2 guard who's leading the NESCAC in rebounding uh, as of right now, and, yeah. and he's first in the nation in assists. So I, I don't know how we could ask anything more than what Jack's doing for us. I think that's the other part. And an assist to turnover ratio is 2.5 to 1. Uh, so he's, that's a solid number. And a steal and a half on top of that. And again, he's a guard who's averaging a double-double. Maybe in the NBA where you sugarcoat the guard position a little bit or you got more point forwards doing it. Maybe not a surprise. But at Division three, especially in the NESCAC, that's pretty significant. But what's he do for the rest of the squad? Uh, he, he just really leads and, uh, you know, and really pushes our guys to, you know, compete. He's just such a competitor on the floor, and uh, his will to win is just second to none. Does I guess the next question would be, is there anything do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> not, not in my eyes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Most coaches will find flaws in anything. You sure? 
Well, if I had to pick something, it would probably be uh, from the free throw line. Okay. Uh, it would be great if he was an 80% free throw shooter. I just noticed uh, the number, but... yeah. 59.1%. Oof. Yeah, that's not the prettiest of numbers, especially for a guard. Uh, I can imagine he may may take a lot of free throws, but you got guys like Folger, uh, Dalla, and Farrell who all average 85.5% or better, so at least somebody makes up for that. Um you have Folger and Dalla and Farrell, also starters, along with uh, Tarantino. Uh, seniors in Tarantino, the rest are all underclassmen. So you're leaning a lot, though, on the underclassmen. Yeah, they, they've done very well uh, making the adjustment. Uh, Matt Folger has made a tremendous jump from his uh, freshman season to this season, uh, shooting the ball very well uh, from the perimeter and stretching defenses out and uh, he has the ability to block shots and rebound at the rim. Uh, so we really are pleased with uh, his performance. Uh, Halal Dahlia is an interesting case because he missed all of last season with a back injury, had some minor uh, surgery, and uh, he has played quite well coming off uh, you know, an injured year last year, a year ago. And uh, Jack Farrell, a freshman guard from Verona, New Jersey, has started our first six games and had a career-high 22 points in our win against uh, Skidmore on Friday night. So we're, we're really pleased with the way our, our, our young guys have uh, responded and have played so far. Got a question from a fan. Um, I believe he's a parent of a player, but I won't name who, just for his own sake. Can you compare and contrast the style, speed, and leadership of the three freshman guards you have, Farrell, Bosco, and Corniker? Good luck. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, they all bring uh, something different to the game. Um, you know, Max Bosco is a freshman uh, from Scarsdale, New York, uh, who's an outstanding three-point shooter. He's more a catch-and-shoot type of guy. Um, you know, Jack Farrell, um, you know, really has a lot of quickness that he brings, uh, you know, to the point and uh, off-guard position for us. And uh, he, too, has shot the basketball pretty well. But uh, he has the ability to get to the rim and find some people offensively. And Griffin Korniger is a, another freshman who was injured early in the season. And uh, now he's back and playing with us. And he's the son of uh, Rob Korniger, oh, yeah. uh, the former coach at St. John Fisher. And he really is another young player who's passionate about the game, uh, can shoot and score and pass and and. All three of them have made a great adjustment to our playing style, which is up-tempo, really looking to take the fast break. And we're currently averaging 80 point, 88 points per game. Yeah. Uh, so they have really transitioned very nicely to our style of play. Uh, you mentioned injuries. We should mention Hiladala is coming off of injury uh, from last season. You you mentioned Corniger banged up a little bit, which, to be honest with you, I'm not that surprised when freshmen get a little banged up. Um, especially when they're transitioning in the game. Also, I, I had a question from a fan about McCord. Uh, he's been banged up a little bit this season. How do you work through that, especially with such a young team? It kind of throws the young guys into spots maybe earlier than anticipated, but how do you work through the injuries, and how do you work a guy like Dalla back into the mix after coming off of what basically something that parked him for a season? Well, you know, to be honest, I – wasn't completely confident uh, this summer that he would have the ability to play this season. And oh, okay. once we got to team practice, uh, 
you know, we evaluated how he was playing, and he earned the starting position, and uh, his health has been very strong uh, throughout. But uh, my philosophy with the injuries is uh, next guy up because uh, it is part of the game, and all teams have to adjust and, and uh, you know, and play with guys that uh, aren't available from time to time. So uh, that's sort of the philosophy that we have. We, we tend to try to use a lot of people in the game because uh, later in the year, if somebody gets banged up, uh, it might be a situation where they're pressed into action and have to perform. So sure. we have a lot of confidence in all of our players and, uh, I think our program has done very well with, um, you know, playing through injuries and and playing at a consistently high level. Quickly about Corniker, uh, we did know, and when we talked to I, we talked to Rob Corniker. I talked to Rob Corniker about the fact that he he had resigned from the job. I asked him, you know, you know, why, and one of his reasons was he wanted to see his son play, and he hadn't had a chance to do that during his prep school days. Uh, in New England, I've noticed on the coaching staff list, his name's not listed. I'm surprised. Corniker hasn't been around enough that you just haven't put him on the staff yet. <laughs> he has attended uh, quite a few games, and uh, you know it, it might be a discussion point, uh, you know, later. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That could be because an unfair when, advantage. <laughs> because when I look at his record, uh, it's pretty daunting. You know, the success that he had at a at St. John's Fisher was just tremendous. Yeah, well, it, I am waiting for the time where it pops up on the website that you've officially brought him on to staff. I, only because I can't imagine him out of the game, and that's just more about him than anything else. Uh, we talked about injuries. One of the significant injuries that we've just come across at Williams is that Scadlock is out. The NESCAC race certainly f- seems interesting this year. You, you guys, Williams... Amherst, I'm not really sure what to make of him, but Wesleyan is playing well. Bowden is playing well. Uh, Tufts may have may take a step back or they'll recover and be right back in the mix. It certainly makes it for a deep race. But how much does an injury like Scadlock maybe affect the, the NASCAC race, or do you think it's a non-factor? You know, it, it really depends. Uh, it could be a non-factor because, uh, again, you know, uh, other players have the ability to step up, and uh, the Williams team with or without Scadlock uh, is a, a tremendously talented team. Uh, so it certainly wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, if they ended up at the top of the NESCAC. Um, when I think of our league, it it's really is a talented league. Uh, currently, our league teams are 71 and uh, 18 on the year. Wow. Um, most of us have... Uh, you know, pretty impressive records at this time. And uh, my philosophy has always been, um, you know, in terms of goals, uh, a top four finish uh, in the NESCAC. Uh, you know, obviously everybody would love to be champions, yeah. uh, but if if you're in the top four in our league, I think you're a pretty darn good team. When you look at the NESCAC, six of those 11 teams actually play each other a second time. you got the trio in, in Amherst, Williams, and, and Wesley, and you have the trio in Maine, Bowden, uh, Bates, and Colby. I've always heard some coaches talk about, you know what, maybe we need to go to a double round robin in the NESCAC for a lot of reasons, and, and part of it's scheduling. you you got a lot of games you got to schedule because you don't play a lot in the NESCAC. But the other side of it, I'm curious from your point of view, you're not part of those group that play everybody twice. And I don't want to say it's an unfair advantage. That certainly isn't where I'm going with this, but they certainly get to see the other teams already once through. Your thoughts on how the scheduling of the NESCAC? Do you like it the way it is? Do you want to see a change? 
You know, I I really would like to have more NESCAC games, and if it meant playing half of the division twice and the other half once, yeah, uh, I would be all for it. But uh, I've been in the league for 21 years, Dave, and there has never been any serious conversations about going double round robin in the NESCAC. Yeah, I'll admit, by the way, I don't mean a true double round robin. 20 games to make it out of your 25, I know that's tough. I like the idea of what I call the ODAC model, which is the offset, which you just described, playing tw- everybody twice and or some p- teams twice and some teams just once. Um, well, I'd be fascinated if that ever comes about. Would you be in favor? You, you sound like you're in favor of that idea, though. Well, I am. Uh, you know, scheduling is probably the hardest thing that I do. Sure. Um, you know, last season, for example, we had four opponents uh, drop us. Um, and oh. I was scrambling in the middle of July trying to fill our schedule for this, you know, for this coming season. So um, from from that standpoint, I would love to have more NESCAC games. The games are really exciting. Uh, there's great competition uh, within the NESCAC games. And I, I think uh, to only have 10 of them, uh, you know, is you know, is is just not a good thing. You know, we we really would need uh, more games. And again, some of the teams in the league have the um, you know two additional games against NESCAC teams right. and so forth uh, in their neighborhood. Uh, but you know, I think if we went to 15 games, it would be a great you know compromise. I could see that working, and uh, I could go more into it, but we won't. But uh, I appreciate that point of view. But it helps me with the scheduling question because the next one up is I hinted at the beginning. You're about you're now at the start of a three week break. You played Skidmore, you played them tough. Now you got to wait three weeks, and then you'll head down to Lexington, Virginia, to take on York, and then somebody uh, after that game on the 29th and 30th. This has got to be tough to keep the team focused, keep the team going when you basically have this huge gap. Um, where let's say things could slip and certainly unintentionally. Yeah, there, there's always the potential, and uh, our situation is pretty unique. Uh, we go into finals on Tuesday. We played on Friday. We will not practice again until the evening of December 27th. Wow. We will practice the morning of the 28th and start our trek down <laughs> to Washington and Lee. Oh, Coach, that's not an easy drive. Nope, and that's why we're going to take two days to get there. I <laughs> <laughs> don't blame you a bit. Is that by rule, though, that you're not allowed to practice at all? Yeah, we're we're not. Uh, we've never practiced during finals week. Okay. Uh, and as soon as our our players uh, complete their finals, they go home for uh, the holidays, and uh, you know we generally um, will come back uh, a couple days before we start playing. You know, before the new year. Fascinating start. Quickly back to the Skidmore game. That was a tight game at halftime. What was said at halftime that changed the momentum? To be honest with you, not that much. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was short and, and brief, but uh, we did have the luxury of having a 13-0 run in the second half. Yeah. That really put some distance uh, between us and Skidmore, uh, who has a quality team, uh, an NSA team from a year ago. Um you know, Jack Farrell, again, uh, had a career-high 22 points as a freshman in that game. Nick Tarantino had 20 uh, points and 17 rebounds, uh, both career highs for him. Uh, and then, you know, Jack Daly had a double-double, um, you know, with uh, 11 assists and 13 points. So we got a lot of contributions uh, 
you know, from a lot of different people, and it was really a quality win for us. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Good luck on this next three weeks. If anything, it gives you some time to relax. Uh, I'm sure that's no um, complaint on your part whatsoever. Um, good luck uh, the rest of the season. Really looking forward to seeing how the conference schedule uh, tilts in, in your favor. And, and, by the way, you've got some great games coming up, even out of conference, that I'm looking forward to. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuning in? Yeah, I just would mention uh, my lead assistant, Kyle Dudley. Uh, he's a 2009 grad, uh, played four years in yeah. our program, uh, was part of our first two NCAA teams. And in his senior year, we won the NESCAC title for the first time in the school's history. And Kyle's been with me for five years now, and he's done a tremendous job. He takes the lead in our recruitment of student-athletes. Uh, he's very involved uh in our uh, game preparation and, uh, you know, film uh, sessions with our team members and so forth. And uh, his growth as a coach has been tremendous, and I think he has a really bright future. Well, well done, Coach. Uh, that's a great use of the time. We've had some ideas of talking to assistant coaches. We haven't figured out how the logistics would work, but it's nice to have a coach like yourself take the time to recognize one of his own. Thank you for doing that. Have a great holidays, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Well, happy holidays, and thank you very much, Dave. Absolutely. Take care, Coach. Good Jeff, night. Jeff Brown joining us from uh, Middlebury. Appreciate him doing that. Um, again, interesting schedule ahead. They got the York. I, I didn't want to skip over. They'll also play Swarthmore, um, interesting enough, back at home. They won't catch Swarthmore on the way back from WNL. Uh, then they'll get into conference play. Then they'll play Morrisville State, get back into conference play. Play Ag Albertus Magnus, get back into conference play. The only games coming up that they have out of conference that are that are maybe quirky, Pine Manor. Uh, Pine Manor ends up picking up a lot of NESCAC teams in the spaces kind of in this part of the season. They'll also play Keene State. By that point, Keene State may be rolling again. Uh, they also play SUNY Canton. Of course, SUNY Canton is improving and looking to get in or will be getting in a new conference next year. So Middlebury has an interesting conference schedule or non-conference schedule ahead with their conference schedule. Going to take a break, running a little bit behind, and want to get to our next guest as soon as we can. Uh, coming up, we'll stick with the NESCAC theme as the head coach has some NESCAC ties, but we're heading down the, the uh, parkways and into New Jersey. TCNJ, we're not talking a lot about them in Atlantic. We're going to try and change that tonight. Matthew Goldstone, their head coach, joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops left after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us 
to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville with a simulcast has been ongoing. I've been dipping in there to try and see if there's any more questions. Haven't seen any, but hope if you have any that you'll send your way. Even seen a few on the YouTube link as well. Uh, just a quick note, if you do have questions or thoughts you want me to get to, get them to me now. After this segment, we will go to wrap up the show as we'll go a little bit into overtime. If you are a fan of the podcast and happen to be tuning in at this point on the live show, the podcast will be a little bit delayed because I didn't hit a stupid little button on my screen. Uh, I'm going to have to start writing notes up again to remind myself of all the particulars in the pre pre-show moments. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Big Mike, I only give you good questions. Ah, sir, you, you steered me in some good directions. I appreciate taking the time. Nice that his, uh, that Jeff Brown uh, took the time to actually recognize your son, who is certainly having a good sophomore campaign. On that note, okay, so we've gone from Chicago. Uh, so the show has not only gone alphabetical, but we've gone west to east. We went Chicago across Lake Michigan to Holland, Michigan at Hope. Then we jumped into uh, central New York to talk to Ithaca, up across Lake Champlain to Middlebury. Now we've come down the parkway and into New Jersey, but it's got a NESCAC tie-in. Graduate of Amherst of 2008 is leading TCNJ. And I had a little voice in my ear in the preseason tell me to watch out for TCNJ. Okay. I thought the Nesca the NJAC race would prim primarily be between Ramapo and New Jersey City, though New Jersey City had lost a lot. They've got a lot of good talent. Well, TCNJ is starting to live up to the early season hype. Granted, I nearly jumped off the uh, listening watch immediately when they lost to Utica 76-72 in the opening game at Rochester. However, they got back with an overtime win against Bard, which still had me concerned. Since then, they've been a little bit on a roll, uh, including a win over FDU Florham 94-71 and a win over Rowan 104-92. They were supposed to have played Saturday against New Jersey City, one of a very few schools or, or games, I should say, that got postponed by our winter weather on the East Coast. I'm not complaining. I love snow. Ahead, uh, they've got Scranton. They will make up that New Jersey City game uh, I believe they're going to literally play them back-to-back -back on uh, November 27th and 29th. It's, the, it's a date they automatically put into the NJAC calendar, which is pretty smart. So that's a lot of information for you. Let's hear what their head coach has to say about all of that. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of TCNJ, Matt Goldsmith. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Excited, uh, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate you taking the time, especially ex, uh, last minute as we booked. Uh, first, let's get to the New Jersey City. You guys postponed yesterday's game. I have a gut feeling, and maybe it's just me, that in hindsight, 
noticing that you'll now have to play them twice in three days due to the automatic snow date in there. You'd like to have that decision yesterday back? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, it, we can move it up a little bit earlier in January if it's mutually agreed on, but there is an automatic date there. Um, you know, always a tough physical game to play Jersey City and to have to play them twice in a few days uh, is definitely going to be a challenge. <laughs> I'm, uh, I will, I will, if it stays there, we'll be very intrigued. Because the other <laughs> thing I'm intrigued by is whatever happens in that first game is certainly going to roll over into the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so this voice in my head told me, watch TCNJ. Okay, 18-8 and eight last season after rebounding from uh, two just above 500 seasons. All watch, but 14 and four in the NJAC race. Certainly no slouch in any any sense of the word there. Right behind those two up ahead of you at Ramapo and New Jersey City. What was the voice trying to tell me from your perspective? Yeah, well, I think um, you know, I think last year we had a little bit of an under the radar season. Um, we were 18 and eight, and again we had some um, tough losses at a conference, and I think that's kind of what held us back. Um, but we did go into the NJAC playoffs as the two-seed um, over New Jersey City. They beat us at home um, in a really close, uh, you know, well-fought game. Um, but we were there all year. You know, we were one-on-one against, you know, we were one of the only teams to beat Rampo in the conference. Um, and, again, uh, played Jersey City close both times, beat them once, lost to them uh, on the last second, uh, a free throw in less than a minute left uh, the first time. So, we were kind of there the whole year, and um, we have a really, really, really good senior point guard in Eric Murdoch Jr. Um, and whenever you have a, a really good point guard in, in college basketball, I think you're going to have a chance to be special. And um, you know, Eric's a pretty special kid, and, and we're happy to have him. Obviously, back for a senior year this year. Yeah, I think we should point out you kind of brought TCNJ back into the conversation with a bang when you first got hired two seasons ago. You brought them to the championship game of the conference for the first time in since 98. So I guess in some degree it was a question of whether that was um, an admiration and just a one-off or if your teams could be consistent. It seems you're, you've gotten something going there, and it's a more about consistency. Yeah, I think um, you know, that's something we've been preaching since the, the moment we stepped foot on campus as a staff is just being consistent in your, in your daily approach and um, you know, what you bring game to game. And, um, you know, again, I think last year we learned some tough lessons. So 18 and 8 um, on the outside looking in on, on the NCAAs. And, um, you know, if you look back on the season and you win, um, you know, your opening tip-off game against, um, you know, Penn State Harrisburg or, or you take care of Western Connecticut uh, on the road early in January or uh, you get one more NJAC game, you know, you might be in the NCAAs. And, um, you know, a lot of times it takes kids – um, you know, actually going through the experience to to realize, whoa, uh, maybe coach maybe coach is right about this one. So, um, you know, this year the guys have been really good at coming into practice every day, ready to work, and uh, they understand you know the importance of every single game. And you know, if there's one thing I learned uh, from Coach Hickson up at Amherst College is, you know, a lot of times these early December games at a conference are like NCAA games um, because you have to take care of them if you, if you want to get uh, the bid later in March. So, Okay, so with that all in mind, what happened at the start? You lost to Ithaca 70, or Utica 76-72 at yeah. the Rochester tournament, and then you barely survived against a 2-7 and seven barred team, 84-82. Yeah. 
was that also part of that oh hey guys i know what i'm talking about part you know scenario or was it a wake-up call what happened there yeah i think um you know we have three sophomores you know eric murdoch uh senior captain he's leading us in in most categories but right after that we have three sophomores and um, they probably combined for 30 minutes of actual playing time between the three of them last year. So, you know, we go up to the Rochester tournament um, with three returning guys in our rotation, one of which didn't travel with us that weekend. So mm-hmm. we have two guys returning in the rotation, and uh, both of which got two fouls in the first three minutes of, of the Utica game. So mm-hmm. suddenly we're kind of thrust into a little adversity there with a really young group um, who who wasn't very experienced, and uh, you know our 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 inexperience kind of shone through that entire weekend. And and fortunately, we grew up fast, and and, and we've made a little run since then. But um, you know, we when I spoke with people in the preseason about this group, it was you know I think we're pretty talented. I just don't know how quickly we're going to grow and how quickly we're going to mature. You know, we have two great captains, but you know a lot of our guys, our main pieces, are younger. So. We might take bumps early, um, so we did take a bump in that in that first weekend, and and we got out of Bard uh, in overtime alive, and um, <laughs> yeah, you know now now we've moved on and we're playing uh, some okay basketball now. So, well, um, you have been playing good. After you floor me, at least got a twenty three point win, and then you handled Rowan in a very high scoring affair, one hundred four ninety two. <laughs> You got the New Jersey City game pushed, unfortunately, so you, you kind of have this 10-day gap now before you'll take on Scranton in non-conference action. And then you take your Christmas holiday break before you'll get back into action, uh, I think, at Albright. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you keep guys focused now? I mean, you kind of had them getting ready for a game on Saturday that never happened. Now they're sitting a week, which really means sitting 10 days. And then they're going to take... Uh, another two weeks off before playing their next one. How do you keep everybody kind of in, 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 in line, as it were? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. You know, I think we were in a little bit of a groove in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, playing two, three-game weeks in a row. We just kind of got into a flow there and um, had this big 10-day break. So, um, you know, the coaching staff, we're going to have to be pretty, um, you know, creative with our practice planning and, and try to keep it uh, relatively competitive. Um, but you know the College of New Jersey is a is a really high academic school yeah. as well. So we're we're staring down finals right now. So you know we took today off. Uh, we'll be pretty light tomorrow and and kind of pick up on Tuesday and then uh, two kind of tougher days of finals and then we got a a pregame practice Friday and, and Scranton coming down. Who I'm sure um, you know they're always well coached and they'll be ready to play um, that Saturday as well. So. It's tough. I mean, it's definitely a challenge. You know, these kids have a ton of stuff going on in their lives, whether that's academics-wise or, uh, you know, family things or, or girlfriend problems or whatever it might be. <laughs> so uh, you always got to kind of keep that stuff in mind. And, um, again, I think what we're really blessed with this year is, is great leadership. Our two captains, Eric Murdoch and E.J. Bermudez, um, you know, they know what it takes. Um, you know, they're not afraid to, to say the hard stuff to their teammates. And they also, uh, you know, will pick them up when they're down. So uh, I, we've been really, really thankful for how they've taken this group and uh, and led them since the end of last season. So those guys do a great job at, at making sure we bring uh, great energy and uh, great communication every day in practice. And um, hopefully if we can, you know, 
keep practices relatively competitive, we can we can stay on this good good groove we're in here. Uh, eighty-four and a half, or about eighty-four points a game. Uh, four guys in double figures. Murdoch, as you mentioned, seventeen points a game, five rebounds a game, five assists a game, along with a number of steals on top of that. Carpenter, as you mentioned, fifteen points a game. Walco, fourteen points a game. Uh, he's also got seven and a half rebounds to lead everybody. Ryan Jensen at twelve points a game, and then Jordan Glover at eight nine points a game. And then you mentioned Ber, uh, Bermudez, I apologize, yep. uh, at six points a game. So you got a lot of guys putting up a, a good amount of points. I can see the advantages to that. What's the disadvantages? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been funny. You know, early on, um, you know, Niall Carpenter, our second leading scorer, he had a game of 29. Um, you know, Eric Murdoch's had a game of 32. Uh, Randy Walco had um, 28 the other night against Rowan, and then, uh, Ryan Jensen actually had a game of 31 against Delaware Valley. So, uh, you know, it's really nice. There's a lot of mouths to feed, obviously, but these guys are all really unselfish, and whoever has it that night or, or has a better matchup, um, you know, we're going to try to find them and put them into, uh, into a position to succeed. So the guys have been really good at sharing the ball, and, um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's all benefits having that many guys who um, can score the ball. And, you know, obviously – um, when you have four different guys put up 29-plus in a season, um, the threats are there, and, and, and those guys have to be talked about in a scouting report and, um, you know, game plan for. So the more the merrier, in my opinion. I think, um, you know, again, we're doing a good job sharing the ball, but if a guy is hot, you know, his teammates will find him for that, for that game for sure. Um, so my question about <laughs> the tournament coming up at Albright, mm-hmm. do you know who you're playing? I do, yeah. We're playing Kenyon. You sure? Because your schedule and our schedule says TBA, and I thought TBA was a challenging team. You don't know what you're going to get from them. Uh, you don't know who's going to play at any given point in time. But uh, at least we know it's going to be Kenyon. That's interesting, yep. coming, coming all the way over there. What's going to be the goal of that tournament? You're going to have that 13 days, 14 days off. I, I mean, I, I know the status quo from doing the show for 15 years, what might be the goal. But William Patterson's lurking on the other side. Ramapo's lurking on the other side. What's going to be the true goal of this tournament for you guys yeah i mean listen if if we want to do anything special as a group um you know and again coming from amherst and, and having a lot of success you know our our goals um you know end in march you know that's where we want to be at the end of the season and um you know those tournaments are great opportunities because we play wednesday saturday in the end jack they're really good opportunities to see what we have on back-to-backs and you know you're not going to be able to do anything anything in the NCAAs if, if you can't go back-to-back and, and put two good performances together. So, you know, our goal in going to that tournament is to, is to play our best basketball on Friday and then play our best uh, basketball on Saturday, and hopefully that puts us in a position um, to win the tournament. Um, but I do think um, it's difficult for a lot of these kids who aren't used to it to adjust to the back-to-back as we get further along into the season. So, um, you know, obviously we want to play well, and then – as soon as the tournament's over, we're going to start our prep uh, for Willie P um, that Wednesday. Um, and then we're, we're in fully in the end jack for the rest of the season. So uh, we want to put together our best performance, whether that's, um, you know, the first weekend of games, uh, you know, the Christmas tournament, uh, whatever it might be. We're, we're going in there to try to get a W. 
We mentioned the pregame that you're a graduate of, of Amherst uh, and you played under Dave Hickson and then you coached under Dave Hickson. And I think yeah. he, it says you're an assistant for three seasons, uh, including yeah. the national championship. Where did you come from before TCNJ? Sure. So uh, after I graduated Amherst, I, I played overseas for a little bit. Okay. And then um, I ended up going back to my old high school uh, in New Jersey and I coached and taught for three years. Uh, I coached basketball and baseball um, and decided, you know, I loved teaching, but uh, coaching was really where my passion was. So thankfully, Coach Hickson took me under his wing and, and I got back up there for three years. And uh, after the third season, um, was fortunate enough to get the, the job down here at the College of New Jersey. What is it about the Dave Hickson coaching tree? Uh, and I mean that both as a joke, but also seriously, because yourself, we can talk about Kevin um, um, Hopkins, Hopkins at, yeah, yeah. at Muhlenberg. We could talk yeah. about half a dozen other guys who've gotten jobs yeah. and have been successful at head coaching jobs. What is it about playing under Hickson and coaching under Hickson that has created so many coaches in not only Division Three but period? Yeah, I think um... – you know, he's just got a great perspective on it. Obviously, you know, he's been doing it for 40 years, um, and a lot of people don't realize that um, it took him a lot of those years to to get Amherst program to where it is today. Mm -hmm. You know, his early years uh, weren't quite as successful as these last, you know, 15, 20 years. So um, he's just really gifted. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, he understands that, you know, performance on the court is about so much more than just – X's and O's and uh, makeup of a roster and, and, and just how talented you are. There, there are so many other things going into it. Um, and I think that's what he gets across to all his assistants. Um, you know, when you work for him, it, it's fortunate as well because he'll give you a lot of responsibilities. Um, he'll, he'll let you do a lot of the prep yourself. Um, you know, you can speak up and practice when you want to and, and, and get in arguments with them if, <laughs> if, if you disagree on something. And, um, you know, now we can all lean on each other. So, obviously, you know, Coach Hopkins over at Muhlenberg, he was actually my roommate in college, mm -hmm. so we talk all the time. Um, you know, Coach Flickertsy up at, at yep. Rochester, uh, he recruited uh, me up to Amherst as a, as a student athlete. So uh, he's another guy we can talk to. Obviously, Coach Hutch Hutchinson. Uh, is now back in Amherst, but was at right. WNL for a long time, and right. um, you know Kobe Altman with the Cavs now. So, so the the group is uh, is big. It's expanding, mm -hmm. and um, you know, luckily we all can talk to each other and bounce ideas off each other pretty regularly. And um, you know, again, Coach Hickson does a great job of of making sure we all keep in touch and and bringing us together. And um, you know, he's just a great mentor. He's he's always willing to talk on the phone with you. Um, you know, I think my first year at TCNJ, I probably called him <laughs> once a week for the entire season. and he well, was Just once a week? A, just <laughs> once? Uh, there were definitely weeks where it was multiple times, but uh, <laughs> at least once, I would say. Um, we also should point out, it, it may strike some people as odd that, you know, you, you've taken over a, an NJAC squad. Mm -hmm. um, and to be blunt, we don't see that many, I would say, private school or NESCAC coaches end up at the public schools necessarily. But you're from New Jersey. You're a Morristown um, uh, native. I know yep. Morristown well. My aunt and uncle live around the corner. Was at the Morristown Book Fair this past fall. Um, right. Great, by the way, great book festival. Anybody out there who likes books? Um, 
you you have a different perspective than everybody else in the NJAC because you come from, to be blunt, Amherst and NESCAC and, and a different idea of scheduling and a different idea of competition and understanding what it takes to get into the NCAA tournament versus most of the rest of the coaches in the NJAC who are New Jersey guys who've been in the NJAC for a long period of time and have a certain point of view. Has mm-hmm. that been proven in the early years to be an advantage? Do you think that's something you can take advantage of? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Coach Hickson, obviously, he, he, he teaches you a lot of things about a program. And, and, you know, a piece of that, too, is, you know, you got to play a tough schedule at a conference. Um, and just how important each game is um, if you do want to do anything special in February and March. So um, I think the perspective I brought from Amherst and having that success um, has definitely been beneficial down here. You know, in, in my eyes, um, you know, the goals every year are, are to try to put yourself in a position to win a conference title and to make the NCAAs. And, um, you know, if we don't get there, you know, I'm disappointed going into the off season. So, um, you know, playing and coaching at Amherst definitely lifted my expectations. And uh, we kind of brought that into TCNJ. And, you know, while TCNJ – uh, is definitely different than Amherst. In a lot of ways, it's it's very similar. You know, it's similar kids, uh, high academic profile. Yeah. Um, you know, so the fit for me was really easy coming down from Amherst in terms of I got back to, you know, my, my roots and where I can, you know, I have a big recruiting network and I'm still coaching those high academic kids who understand that Division three basketball is, is, isn't just about basketball and there's a lot more to life and, and you're trying to make a, a four-year decision that's yeah. going to affect the next 40 years of your life. So um, really fortunate to, to have learned from Coach and, and to have brought a lot of those um, Amherst principles down with me to, to TCNJ. Uh, and quickly before I let you go, how much does the other sports at TCNJ succeeding end up helping your squad? Women's soccer was in the Final mm-hmm. Four this year. We've seen certainly women's lacrosse has been successful. Maybe not as successful as TCNJ was back in the late 90s uh, or in the 90s, certainly, but there, there's still some success there. Does that translate across to other sports, or is it maybe a little bit more individualized? No, it's de- it definitely translates. I think one thing, especially you, you look at in an athletic department, is, is typically if one or two teams can, can compete at the national level, um, the other teams can find a way to do that as well. Mm. So, um, you know, when we were, when I was looking at TCNJ as an option, obviously coming home was great, but, you know, I wanted to go to a place where I thought we could win a national championship. And I think that that's this school. I think, um, you know, obviously women's soccer got to the final four this year. Our field yep. hockey team went to the final four this year. Yep. Um, you know, our football team's improving, you know, women's lacrosse always play, is very good. So, um, you know, all those sports doing well, uh, it, it inspires the other athletes. It, it inspires the other coaches. I mean, Sharon Fluger is our uh, lacrosse and field hockey coach, and she is as legendary as it gets. I yes. mean, over a 1,000 wins combined. Yeah. She's won so many national championship trophies. It's like a museum in her office. <laughs> They're just everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, to be able to pick her brain about what she does to keep her – team focused or, or how she approaches a, a loss versus a win or whatever it might be, um, it definitely makes the department as a whole even better. So um, it's great having those those types of people around you to, you know, motivate you and inspire you and, and also, you know, have some words of, uh, of, of wisdom when you need them.
You ought to go in there and just take a trophy. I don't think she'll notice it. Just put one in your <laughs> your office. She won't miss them. Miss them. I, there's so many of them. She won't even no, notice it's gone. On the next one. Exactly. Um, well, Coach, thanks for taking the time. I know we, we took more time than I expected from you. And I apologize for that, but I really appreciate it. Fascinating conversation. Uh, I look forward to what you guys can do in the NJAC. I really look forward to those three days against New Jersey City, if it stays that way. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, you know, as, as everyone kind of always um, – you know, states at the end here, Dave, I just think you guys do such an awesome job at, at showcasing our student athletes and, and, you know, what they do on and off the court and not just the court. I mean, obviously we were watching the, the women's soccer final four and, and heard you announcing that as well. So, Sorry about that. Um, just really, <laughs> just really grateful for what you do and, and uh, the spotlight you put on our student athletes. And I know speaking for everyone in the NJAC, uh, uh, we appreciate the coverage and um, look forward to talking again. Well, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Have a wonderful holidays. Uh, safe travels. Uh, as I know, New Jersey, <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> good luck, and look forward to talking about the Lions down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Once again, Matt Goldsmith joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, the game Saturday against New Jersey City postponed. Again, it should be made up. It appears it will be made up on the 29th of January, though it could be shifted. That's a tough range, though. They'll play Stockton on the 24th, New Jersey City on the 27th, 29th against New Jersey City, and 31st against Rowan. I'm not sure if they got a lot of flexibility. Scranton coming up next weekend, and then um, they head to Albright Kenyon, the first of the of that tournament that they will play. So appreciate Matt taking the time. Uh, we're in overtime, so we're going to wrap some things up here. Appreciate all our guests coming on. Um, quick note, a reminder, we are not on the air next Thursday as we will be down in Salem, Virginia, really Roanoke Valley, um, as part of the final for the foreseeable future Stag Bowl and Gillardy Trophy with D3Football.com. I will be uh, behind the scenes for a lot of that. If you hear me on air, it's either because there's a major problem uh, or I'm helping fill in on something. Uh, Gallardi Trophy on Wednesday evening. I believe we usually start our broadcast about 7.30 Eastern time for the 8 o'clock pre- uh, show, our trophy programming. Um, and then the Stag Bowl is at 7 o'clock. I believe our pregame will probably start around 5 o'clock from the field, though we haven't set those times. So we will not be on the air Thursday. We will be back in town to do a show on Sunday evening. So we will be back on the air next Sunday with guests, the 17th. And then our final show before the holidays will be the 21st. Uh, So two more shows before the holiday break, the 17th and 21st. There are two more top 25s to come out, December 11th and December 18th before the holiday break as well. Just a note, there will be a top 25 then out on January 1st, and we will return the air on January 4th. And then we are straight through to the end of the season. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think, I think I got to most of your questions. If you had any, I do know there was a question from Daryl way at the beginning that I didn't get around to. And I apologize. Uh, I hope Daryl, you're still listening. If not, you've come back to listen. He says, although I'm a Whitworth alum and I'm enjoying all the new guys trying to gel with each other. I'm also keeping an eye on uh, Northwest conference rival Whitman. What team will slow down that scoring machine? I'm going to take a, a, a paraphrase some words I heard from Ryan, our, our around the nation guy that I thought was pretty poignant. They have two guys who aren't playing right now that started last year, and we don't know why, and they may be out for the season for all I know. So they aren't quite exactly what we thought they were last year. I am not as blown away by them. I still think they're darn good. Yes, they're going to have to be slowed down. Their defense causes 
chaos. It's a havoc-type defense, uh, which certainly causes problems. So I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them. They're still my number one team until proven otherwise, even if they take a loss. I will say it now. You will hear me say it again in the future, etc. I do not expect anybody to be making the NCAA tournament undefeated, including Whitman. So if they take a loss, it doesn't mean I still don't think they're going to be my number one team. I will see them in Vegas, which will give me a much better close-up view of them and certainly get a chance to talk to them and figure things out as well. I like what I see there. What score, What can shut them down? It's going to take a disciplined team, like we saw from Rochester and we saw from Babson last year. Two teams that can handle the ball well, will not throw it away, and will not produce a lot of turnovers. That's the secret. You have got to hold on to the ball against Whitman. You have to take advantage of scoring opportunities when they are presented to you, and you need to just keep your head about you. If a team can do that, they can beat Whitman. Because I think Whitman isn't quite there offensively as we maybe expected or got used to. It's being built off of chaotic defense. Whitworth, on the other hand, is surprising me. They're off to a good start. I'm trying to figure out how much is smoke and mirrors. As you said, young guys trying to gel. New guys really trying to gel more than young. I don't know what to make of it yet. Um, I, I don't know if Whitman runs away with the Northwest Conference or if Whitworth becomes a factor. Puget Sound is looking good. We're seeing some others who are stepping up. I can't, I, it, the Northwest Conference this year on the men's side, women's, is interesting, but the men's side's far more interesting. I, I don't know what to make of it yet, and I think Whitman can be beat, but you got to hold on to the ball. You've got to take advantage of scoring opportunities, and you got to keep your heads about it. And furthermore, not get into foul trouble. And I hear people complaining about fouls. I'm not going to get into it now. But you guys, teams have got to start adjusting, and fans need to start adjusting to the way the game is being called now. People don't like ticky-tack fouls. Guess what? Those are going to be called. It is now an, a point of emphasis to shut down the grabbing and the holding and the little hand check and the little arm bars and all of that. It's being shut down, and with a national coordinator of officials, he's watching games, and if he feels that the stuff is not being called, he is calling coordinators and assigners to get it called. Get used to it, folks. And so complaining about it is – I said I wasn't going to get into it. I'm not. I'm going to wait until January. But you got to start adjusting to this, and teams have got to start adjusting to this. And if they can't adjust to this, that's going to be a problem. And against a Whitman team, that will put you in a lot of trouble, as Colorado College found. Uh, I mean, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Top 25 comes out tomorrow. Um, I'll get my blog out, I hope, as well. Along with everything else we're doing, we'll be back on the air next Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and then the following Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. You can always interact with us at uh, – at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on your uh, Twitter account or on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville. You can follow us there. You can always follow us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com slash Hoopsville. I mean, uh, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, just saw a note from Todd. He says, JoJo Wiggins and Jace Harrison, who are the two starters from last year who aren't playing, are both out for the season with injuries. So there you go. Official, uh, or at least we're hearing it from somebody who's saying it more officially than I've gotten elsewhere or more publicly. So Jojo Wiggins and Jace Harrison, who the two individuals I was referring to are out with injury. So Whitman's a different beast this year. Uh, if you've got guest ideas, if you've got thoughts, uh, et cetera, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, again at D three Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville for, for um, Twitter and Instagram. You can also contact us via email hoopsville at D three hoops.com and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 
Hoopsville. Thanks to all our guests, including Carissa St. Kanucky, uh, the Chicago women's basketball coach from Hope Women's Basketball, Brian Morehouse, from Ithaca Women's Basketball, Dan Raymond, from Middlebury Men's Basketball, Jeff Brown, and from TCNJ Men's Basketball, Matt Goldstone. Also want to thank all the sports information directors, especially those who got last-minute requests from me for tonight's show for helping us out as well. Off the air Thursday, back on the air Sunday. We got two more shows before the Christmas holiday. We hope you enjoy them. For all of you who are celebrating holidays out there, please, um, we hope you have a safe and wonderful uh, uh, holiday season. Of course, especially those coming up here with Hanukkah, which starts down on the evening of Tuesday, December 2nd. We hope you have a wonderful eight nights of Hanukkah as well. And with that, we'll sign off. You've been listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If I forgot anything, I apologize. We'll get to it on Wednesday, or Wednesday, next Sunday. Good night, everybody, and take care.